Welcome to the ElfQuest Show, the internet's only fan-made podcast series dedicated to the long-running, award-winning, epic fantasy series ElfQuest, created by Wendy and Richard Peeney. I'm David Mizajewski, also known as Thornbreak on the ElfQuest forums. Joining me is my friend and fellow ElfQuest uber geek, Ryan Brown. Ryan's our editor and producer, working the magic to put this podcast together. Welcome back, everybody, to the final episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast, where we're discussing the final quest. The oh, end has come. My God. Yeah. We're it's, here. I can't believe it. Uh, it. It's, yeah, it's... What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How many episodes is this now? 30 oh, something? Think, yeah, 36, 37. I'm not sure, you know, yeah. uh, several of the earlier ones we split up into... Uh, a couple episodes, so yeah. you know, it's not there's not an exact amount, and then we've done a bunch of special episodes mm-hmm. in between here and there. So, yeah, um, I think yeah, the it's... initial episode, or no, not the initial one, but uh, for the um, the special, mm-hmm. I think we split that up into four different I, I think episodes because we, <laughs> we talked for ages yeah. about yeah. that one. Yeah. Well, I think um, my the best thing that we can do for this issue is just go straight to the finale of it and the big event. And that is mm-hmm. Cutter's death. Yes. Um, it's been, yeah. it's been what a month since the issue came out and yeah, actually exactly a month, right? Isn't today the 28th? Uh, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, that was good timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, since we couldn't get our schedules to work to do this any earlier, but, um, yeah, so I mean, I guess for me, I went into this issue with a a really kind of a weird sense of calm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, 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 for me, I I think that issue twenty two was um, the one that really hit me like a ton of bricks. The, the you know the farewell scenes where the the elves left and had to say goodbye, and you know that to me was. It was kind of like the, the, I guess maybe the crescendo of yeah. of the final quest, you know. Yes. And then the last mm-hmm. couple of issues were, I don't know what the right word is for, it, like cathartic in a way, you know, mm-hmm. like kind of the life continued on after that 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 big Isn't event. Denouement. Denouement. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I think that's but, the right word. But it seems a bit. There's a lot going on for a denouement, so I don't know if that's the correct term either. Yeah, there might not um, be quite the right word, but I think mm-hmm. I think everybody gets what we're saying, right? It's yeah, like, it certainly felt like the climax was when the palace left, so that would have been issue twenty-two. Yeah, and you know, not to say, well, I mean, obviously, Cutter's fate was 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 huge, but again, I, I'm I'm trying to figure out again like the right words because I didn't. I'll put it this way: when I read issue twenty-two, it you know I had this very visceral emotional reaction and. Mm-hmm. Um, going into this, I, I just I had a sense of peace about whatever was going to happen. You know, I didn't yeah. know, I didn't know if anybody else was going to die, if Cutter was going to make it. You know, as we talked about on the last podcast, I think you know that's that was in everybody's minds as a possibility, but I didn't know. But I was okay with it. You know, like I had yeah. this um, 
this sense of inevitability, like the story was marching forward. And I knew however it ended, it would be some, you know, obviously hugely significant for, for ElfQuest. And, and it didn't disappoint. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I felt much the same way, actually. Uh, so first of all, I wasn't 100% sure that Cutter would actually die. And, I mean, yeah. we've been discussing that since almost the very beginning of the podcast, right? It would come up, like, is he going to die in this series? Uh, because that seems to be, you know, what would be expected of the the hero's journey and how it would end. The hero yeah. generally dies or is transformed in some way. Well, and, um, I'll, mm-hmm. and I, what I'll say about that is, yeah. um, I say the same thing, you know? I mean, I really had no idea what was going to happen and if Cutter would survive, which, of course, yeah. is exactly what Wendy and Richard wanted us as readers to sort of not really be able to predict or forecast it, right? Yeah, and, it was getting to the point by the end of, like, the last five, six issues or so where I was thinking, well, maybe he's not going to. And what does that mean for the future of ElfQuest then if Cutter's still alive? And, yeah. Um, because I, I was sort of expecting it from the beginning, but then the way things were going, I wasn't sure. And then we get to the last issue, and I'm thinking, oh, well... Maybe it's not going to happen, you know, because yeah. just we're on the final issue and it hasn't happened yet. Um, right. Yeah, and it's just kind of came out of the blue too, in a way. Yeah. yeah. Well, and and again, I mean, that's part of well, what what I'll say is Wendy and Richard did a brilliant job at setting us up with the whole line of Cutter saying "perfect," because that really was my reaction when I read it, in the sense mm-hmm. that it felt complete. And, you know, like to your point, it did happen out of the blue, you know, <laughs> like it, it yeah. wasn't, it wasn't, you know, Cutter dying heroically in battle or, you know, some, some big, bold, like, you know, honestly overdone trope of the hero going out in a blaze of glory. Right. Yeah. It was, he, he died as a wolf rider, you know, mm-hmm. a spider got him. <laughs> yeah. Know? It's you know? it like, it, you know, and it, it, it just rings so true to me to real life. Like that's the kind of stuff that happens in real life, you know, like, you can't plan for it. You don't see it coming. And, and, you know, for me, part of like the perfect reaction is, is just that. Like, you know, Cutter always said throughout the entire series, you know, I'm going to, I'm a wolf rider and I'm going to embrace that and I'm going to embrace my mortality and I'm going to let this world choose when I go. Yeah. And it did. And that's why the, when, when he, in that, in that, that, that panel, that three scene panel where he realizes what happens, mm-hmm. why he, I feel, you know, he has, it seems that he has a sense of acceptance and peace about it. Like, I'm sure he doesn't want to die, but he also is like, okay, well, I'm following the way. This is, this is how it works. And if this is how I go, this is how I go. Um, and that to me again was just perfect. I, I, I found it way more satisfying than again if, you know, he was battling the humans and they got him. And again, there was this big overwrought scene. It was just, it was kind of quiet and peaceful, which it's like, when do you ever see a death like that? Yeah, especially in a comic book, right? When, like you say, you're expecting the characters to go out in a blaze of glory, kind of. But, yeah, I mean, yeah. of course, self-quest has always been different. So it did seem very fitting. And then, in retrospect, when you're looking at, like, um, earlier stories, you know, with the Spirit Maker Spider and everything, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. Oh, I yeah, can, totally. I mean, so like the birth right? scene that was, um, I think, first depicted in uh wolf rider yeah mm-hmm. or when it wasn't it originally well, there, in one of the new blood stories but it was a snake and then that was sort of changed to the spider yeah 
it was yeah. a um, yeah, it was sort of a new blood uh, whirlpool, you know, what if kind of story with a you know some characters that are not canon, and there was right, a right, cut yes. scene that um, that dealt with Skyway saving him in this case from a snake, but you know, years a few years later. In the Wolf Rider story, by that point, I think the Final Quest major plot points had kind of been worked out, yeah. and I think Wendy and Richard knew exactly how Cutter was going to go out, um, and they depicted it there with the Spirit Maker Spider that Skywise saves him from. And again, the Spirit Maker Spider shows up in The Searcher and the Sword at the very beginning, um, and and I, the one thing I have to say about it is, you know, you were saying we were just talking about how it was unexpected and we didn't really know exactly, you know, A, if Cutter would survive or not. And then obviously, I don't think anybody had a clue that it was going to be the spider. But when you go back and and think about it and look back at the old stories um, and the final quest, I, I after it settled in for a while, I was thinking about it from that point of view. And I was like, oh, my God, how else could it have ended? Right. I yeah. Mean, number one, it's been foreshadowed. The spider was foreshadowed. Cutter going all the way back to Siege of Blue Mountain, you know, says what I was just quoting a minute ago. You know, I'm I'm a wolf rider and I'm gonna I'm gonna live a wolf rider's mortal life and I'm gonna let I'll be happy and if this world decides when. You know, I mean it's like when you when you go back and you see it, and that is repeated over and over and over throughout all the subsequent series that that's cutter's choice. And he is just going to you know, follow the way in that way. And so mm-hmm. in retrospect, again, I'm like, I'm like, well, duh, of course, you know, but the beauty of it is that while reading it, I was still in suspense because I didn't know, I, I, I couldn't have predicted it. I still think Rayek planned it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, it's found he knew that. that spider was there. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is plan all along. There's, there's been, um, I saw some fan discussion <laughs> about, about that. Like, did, did, really? Yeah, did no. And yeah, I mean, I, obviously I think I agree with you. That's kind of silly, but, but I, I did think it, it was interesting. Somebody else uh, pointed out just the, the randomness of it that, you know, when, when Rayek, you know, basically the, the father tree, the bombs go off, the father tree is in the midst of crumbling. There's chaos, you know, Dushine's about to get crushed by a branch. Mm-hmm. Cutter's about to get crushed by a branch. Branch. Ray, you know, swoops in and grabs him and does this sort of loop and circles back and deposits Cutter, you know, on sort of the hill overlooking everything so that he's not in the thick of it. And j- just, you know, flying through the tree branches, they happen to go through a spider web and the luck of the draw, right? It could have actually been Ray. Right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, you know, obviously that would not have served the story of Cutter's hero's journey, but it's a fun little exercise to think about. You know the what if, like what if it, what it, what if it had been right? Think of how different yeah. the story would have gone, right? Yeah. Winnow will would have would have been released, and then you know chaos would have ensued. So um, sure. it's just you know interesting what if kind of thought process. But um, yeah, but yeah at any, right, exactly. But at any rate, um, yeah, I mean that's all it was, you know. And, and you know when I saw I read that scene, my first thought was that they flew through preserver webbing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even though I'm, I'm flipping to the page, you know, Wendy shows some moths flying. Um, yeah. But you don't quite see a spider. You just see like webs that they go through, and they're they're both they both have webs on them. Yeah. And um, you know, it's it just a pretty happened. big freaking web. <laughs> it, Holy it, it is. Just looking yeah. at it right now. Yeah. Sometimes um, spider. Well, number one, fictional world, right? So yeah, spiders can weave webs as big as as Wendy and Richard want them to, but, um, 
But there are some spider species that do these giant webs, and oftentimes it's species that spin webs collectively. Yeah, I was going to say like a colony or something. Right, but thank God it seems like the spirit makers are solitary spiders. Otherwise, there would be no wolf riders. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Um, So I was surprisingly not really emotional about it either. I think you mentioned that too. Like I was was not – I thought I was going to be a mess. Yeah. But – I don't know. I read it and I, I was like, uh, okay. This yeah. And that kind of makes sense. And I'm good with this. And, um, it just felt like, well, this is like the completion of Cutter's journey. And, uh, I was surprised at my own reaction. Cause like I said, I thought that I would be just beside myself sobbing yeah. in a, you well, know, huddled yeah, in a it... corner, rocking yeah, back too. and forth. But I wasn't at all. I was, um, yeah, like surprisingly, like just calm about it. So yeah. I don't know what that says about my emotional response. But... <laughs> no, you know what I think it says. I, I I think that's a testament again to Wendy and Richard's storytelling because, you know, again, it, like we talked about a minute ago, I think we both had that that sense like of inevitability of of something, even though we didn't know what was going to happen when it did happen. It 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 felt right and um. You know, I don't think I don't think it was meant to give us this like crazy emotional roller coaster necessarily. You know, I mean, I'm sure that's an element there, right? And and that's a valid response. But um, the fact that we, you know, I think our response about not being completely wrecked by it and accepting it, it yeah. just felt so right to me. It felt like a really nice way, in a very complete way, in a very fulfilling way. To, to end this whole thing, at least for me. Yeah, I I feel the same way too. And um, I mean, the fact that it was his choice to not to um, call for Lita because Lita was busy healing Shuna. Yes, that sort of I think played into it too. Like um, Cutter made that sacrifice. He made that choice for the sake of his human daughter, right? Which and I think yeah, and I think that bears. Deal. A little discussion because I think there was something, a little bit of confusion over that decision for some people, and so I think it it, it pays to go back and look at look at the actual events of the issue. So you know, starting with you know this this chaos as the father tree is crumbling, right? And like I was just saying, Ray swoops up Cutter and kind of fly, does just a quick loop, and you know Cutter in that loop overhears and sees the humans, the insect tribes, you know, getting pretty pretty you know aggressively uh, vengeance-ridden, and he hears the the son of the chief of chiefs say, you know, like, if Shuna dies, we're going to basically start a vendetta against any new humans that come to this continent. And, you know, Cutter kind of hears this in a flash as he's being zipped by, and then Rayek again deposits him, you know, out, outside of the fray on the hilltop, and before Cutter realizes that he's bitten by the spider, he says, I'm just going to, you know, he sees that, Lita is healing Shuna. He's like, I'm just going to stay here. And, you know, we got Shuna really needs to live. Not only does he obviously want her to live, but after hearing what he just heard, he's like, it's really important that Shuna doesn't die because otherwise it's just going to be another version of the vendetta that, you know, Bearclaw had with, with the spirit man. And that was awful, right? That led to the creation of Mad Coil and the decimation of both tribes. And so Mm -hmm. I think all of that is the, you know, the context for Cutter just being like, I'm going to sit up here I'm going to watch over everyone and not get involved because Lita really needs to focus and everyone is safe. And, and, you know, and again, all of this is happening in a split second. So, 
as far as that decision, I mean, again, that I that makes perfect sense to me. That's totally in line with what I think Cutter would do. Um, and then as far as as Lita being able to heal him, because this is another thing that saw lots of discussion about, and um, you know, a lot, some some people were like, "Well, I don't get why Lita didn't heal, just heal Cutter, or why didn't they interrupt?" And you know, I mean, if <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious if they interrupted the healing of Shuna, she could likely have died. And, you know, I can't imagine Cutter going up and being like, oh, hey, by the way, Lita, hang on for a second, you know, heal me, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't make any sense um, for the characters. And, you know, Shuna was mortally wounded. So, you know, Lita was pretty pretty focused on getting her healed. And by the time Shuna was fully healed and Lita was, like, being distracted by her sending and that whole scene you know, it, it doesn't take long. It was established. It doesn't take very long for the spirit maker spider poison to, to kill someone. So this is probably happening in the space of a few minutes is my guess. And yeah. Cutter is just quickly going into the state of paralysis and, and, you know, body shutdown or whatever. And he's, he, you know, he's accepted that that is probably going to be his fate at that point. I mean, again, if Lita were there, I pro- I don't doubt that he probably would have accepted a healing, but in the circumstance, I think he had a sense of peace about it. And, you know, by the time she realized and got up there, you know, literally she, the minute she grabs him, he's gone. Mm-hmm. So there was not really an opportunity for her to heal him. No. Um, not to mention yeah. she was probably pretty exhausted after healing Shuna. And yeah, like there's the one scene in Siege of Blue Mountain where she heals both Dart and Gyoki at the same time. But, um, you know, that, that she started at the same time and that obviously was a huge task and she was, you know, almost unable to do it and everything. So this is just a totally different circumstance. Mm-hmm. You know, if Cutter and Shuna were lying right next to her at the same time and she started working on them both, maybe, but that was not the circumstance. So. Right. Yeah. And I think people forget, like, how, I, even though Lita's a very powerful healer the most powerful one i guess um how much energy it takes to actually heal somebody right plus she's healing a human which takes right. like you said like when she was healing gyoki right um it's even harder to heal a human than an elf for her so right. like that just takes so much energy well um, and again i mm-hmm. think you know could it have gone that way sure right i mean it's 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 plausible. It's been established that she can heal two people at once and a human and an elf at once. But, but why would you do that in the story from a storytelling point of view? You know, like mm-hmm. they're trying to tell the story of Cutter's end. And, um, I think they, it, they, they orchestrated it pretty brilliantly from a storytelling perspective. Well, you know, so if Cutter's going to die and get bitten by the spider, then obviously Lisa can't heal him. So how do we address that? And so, Shuna being mortally wounded and and that being built into not only it wasn't just like, oh, well, let's have somebody else be wounded. You know, they even built it further into the like the 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 weave of the story by adding in the element of the insect tribes threat of vendetta. Right. Mm-hmm, and yeah. and that is just so fitting for the whole whole entirety of ElfQuest Two is, you know, the whole idea that vendettas are pointless and they only end in, in horror at the end of the day. So I really right. liked that aspect of it. Yeah, well, it's Cutter saying to Rayek, right, someday the insect tribes will overrun the land, 
They'll adopt the war men's weapons, build more and bigger villages while our hunting ground shrinks and shrinks. So he just sees the endless cycle of violence ahead of all of this. If, um, you know, if this vendetta actually occurs, if Shuna dies. So it's, you know, the entire sort of like idea of peace is sort of hinging on whether or not Shuna survives. So, you know, Cutter makes that that sacrifice or that choice to allow Lita just to to heal. Um, I think, though, you said earlier he didn't want to die. And I think I agree with you to a certain extent, but there was also some things that he said where it sort of seemed like, not that maybe he wanted to, but he was definitely ready to. Completely. Um, I Yeah, I, I completely agree with that assessment. I mean, he says to Ray... Doesn't he say, I'm a tired elf Yeah, he or says, something? I'm one yeah. tired elf, you know, when they're talking yeah. about, you know, how, how basically Rayek, by stealing his family back in Kings of the Broken Wheel, really pulled Cutter out of the now and made him conscious of the passing of time. And that's, mm-hmm. been, that's been repeated over and over since then, too. That That's one of the things that makes Cutter different. He's the chief who remembers and... Um, and that kind of thing. And that, that has been a real burden on him as a wolf rider. And it's, it's taken him out of the now. And I think actually that's how the, if I recall correctly, when the final quest kicked off in the special on that preamble, I think it actually says that, you know, he's, he's the chief that, that, that remembers and they really make that distinction. So here at the very end, that note is kind of hit on again that, you know, he, he, he's, he's tired. And I think that right there, is the perfect illustration of what you just said, Ryan, that I, I, I think he accepted his death. Um, I don't know that. And I think that he was ready for his death. I don't know that he wanted to die though. You know, I don't, I wouldn't say that. Um, again, I, I, I think, and obviously this is just my opinion, but I think if the circumstance were different and he was bitten by the spider, um, and Leto are right there. He probably, I, I don't see why he wouldn't accept a healing, but I think right. he saw that, you know, it's while well, Leto's down there, um, there's probably not much we can do about it right now. And because of who he is and his wolf rider mentality. And he, I think he just, he accepted that if that was his fate, that was going to be his fate. Yeah. That's how I see it too. Definitely. Yeah. If Leto was able to, now, if Mender was around or something, right. um, like he would have accepted a healing, definitely. Yeah. But just the circumstances and the fact that he felt like Shuna needed to be healed in order to, well, first of all, because he wants his daughter to survive. Right. And secondly, because um, he wants to prevent this vendetta, this cycle of violence. Right. Um, yeah, then he made that choice, right? Like, okay, well... I can't accept a healing right now because it will lead to these consequences that I don't want. Therefore, I'm going to not bother Lita while she's healing right. Shuna, and I'll just accept the consequences of that choice that I've made. Yeah, exactly. And mm-hmm. he has peace about it because he is tired, and it's exactly what he always said that, like, yeah, the whole idea of letting this cho- this world choose. So, uh, I think that's a really accurate way to describe it. Now. Lita, on the other hand, um, as far as kind of uh, her, her, what what goes down in in the scene when she realizes that Cutter is 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 on Depp's door, I actually interpreted it a little bit different than differently than the way that Wendy and Richard, I think, in their minds were were shooting for. 
And I mention this because Wendy posted a really interesting and I think kind of awesome thing on Facebook about this. Um, and so, so my, and my initial reading, um, you know, we see Lita, you know, she, through their, their, their heart connection, she realizes that he's dying and she runs up the hill and she's like, wait, wait, I'm coming, wait. And they embrace at, at the very instant that his life passes. And, mm-hmm. you know, for me, when I read it, you know, the wait part to me was like, again, just having that embrace. Um, because for me, what, what really stands out about Lita throughout the, you know, final quest, but really the entire saga. And, and I think this is something that doesn't get paid enough attention is Alita's character growth. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, she's, she's come a really long way from the very beginning. Oh, and, yeah, and, the, and the biggest thing is, is this whole idea of, of being able to, um, ask for permission as a healer. You know, she has the power to, to do things in, in the moment and, She's learned the hard way, you know, with one eye, for example, and also from observing Winnowill's her Winnowill's way of not giving others choice, how bad that can be, and how, in a way, it's a big abuse of her power. And so we have seen over and over again throughout the saga, and again, particularly um, in Final Quest, this note with Lita of 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 choice, and I need to ask permission. You know, even when he cut her, when when he ran, when he went running mad and almost died and they found him about to become, you know, compost with the, the, mm-hmm. uh, the, the rootless ones. Even then she didn't immediately start healing him. You know, she said, you know, give me some sign. He kind of like gently nods that it's okay. So, so when I read this, I, I saw it as, as just like a continuing of that, that thread. If anyone in the world, you know, uh, could be more important no one in the world could be more important to Lita than Cutter. And if she had the power to give him, that choice in that very final moment, I mean, it was just to me a, like a tremendous proving or of the point or, or pulling through that, that particular storyline. So that's how I read yeah. it on my initial read. Now mm-hmm. I happened to be with Wendy and Richard at, in, in Portland, Oregon when the issue came out okay. and um, cause I was helping them out at their appearance um, for the launch. And then also up in Seattle for Emerald City Comic Con. And so while we were driving from Portland to Seattle, we were talking about this. And Wendy said that that's actually not what she was thinking when she when they put this together, and that in their minds, Lita definitely would have healed Cutter had she gotten there in time. And, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And and we you know we kind of talked about that. And I was explaining to them like why what I just said, like why why my brain went to what this this being an example of. of of Lita's character growth. And the really cool thing that Wendy said in the car, and then she posted on Facebook after is that, you know, like your, your interpretation is as valid as what we were intending. Hmm, And mm -hmm. I think that takes incredible maturity as a storyteller to, to be okay with that. And, and, and let the elements have a little bit of wiggle room for interpretation. Um, Again, I think, rereading it, it makes total sense that she would have totally healed him. I mean, there's nothing in the scene that says that that wouldn't have happened. And it's just, I happen to, it triggered a different thing in my brain than maybe in other people's. And um, anyway, so I think, I thought that was just kind of really neat and very generous and um, just a really cool thing for Wendy and Richard to like a, 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 how they perceive their story and their storytelling to be able to give fans 
a little bit of ability to have that leeway to yeah. see things slightly differently than maybe what they were originally thinking and intending. But if it works, it works, right? Sure, like they can acknowledge that if it seems legitimate, then yeah, like that works for the story for you know each reader individually. Um, if they come to it with their own interpretation, that sort of works, you know? Yeah. 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 And uh, mm-hmm. speaking of Lita, the other thing that I think is really powerful in, in the whole Cutter death scene is if you, you if you really pay attention to Lita and her facial expressions and what she says and what she does is the the incredible maturity and peace, I guess, and, uh, you know, I, I, we keep using this word inevitability. I think it, it, in Lita's reaction, I think we see she too maybe is, is, is accepting this outcome as sort of the inevitable that she's always known was coming. Um, you know, Skywise, you know, Skywise, of course, comes back from the star home. You know, he, he also feels Cutter's passing and instantly forms a pod and, and shows up back in the world of two moons and you know skywise seems to have much more of a challenge right like he yeah he is you know he <laughs> the really fun part about skywise showing up is i think he articulates what i think a lot of readers probably said to themselves like a spider you mean he's done he's done in by a spider after all these escapes and battles like oh my god a right? stupid spirit maker right? yeah which i thought was like a, a funny like almost breaking up the third wall like it's almost as if he's yeah. like, looking at us and be like Oh my God, really? But yeah, um, he's like a stand-in for I think a lot of the readers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but the reaction, mm-hmm. you know. But he, Skywise, does not really have. Yeah, he's not. He's he's resisting this, and he's kind of fighting back against it. I mean, in that very next panel at the top of the page, he's like, you know, but I killed the spider. Like he immediately goes back to the when Cutter was born, and when you look at that, like Skywise has this like angry, frustrated like not acceptance thing going on. And in that same panel right next to him, Lita just has her head bowed and she mm-hmm. has this very peaceful, serene, you know, again, I, I, and she, to me, she's exuding, you know, uh, deep, deep beyond word sorrow, but also peace and acceptance. And yeah. even throughout that page, you know, when Skywise is just, you know, beyond himself, just silently clinging to Cutter, you know, she says when Ray swept us, to the new land and a new time, we grieved out of love. You, meaning Skyways, became immortal just for the chance to have more time with him. And then she says, we had that time. And at that point is when she really breaks down. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, um, you know, she has this moment of horror where she realizes that Cutter's gone, right? Right when she embraces him. But then she kind of immediately falls into this very peaceful sadness. Um, and again, ultimately loses it and breaks down but um just a really interesting contrast between how skywise reacts and how lita reacts and what that tells us about them and their their character growth and their journey you know again lita Mm -hmm. has gone from this kind of spoiled princess type with tremendous power and you know somebody who used it as she willed right and was kind of talking about it to this this very very much more mature character who who has the ability to to resist her her own urges, which is to use that power to heal um, when it is taking away someone else's choice. And you know the knowledge that Lita has known since the very 
the first encounter that the wolf riders are mortal and they're going to die. You know, I mean, Lita has yeah. been living with this this whole time and has had all of this time to kind of come to terms with that. Even though within Final Quest, we've seen her have doubts about it. You know, she offers again in her, well, she thinks in her brain earlier, um, you know, like fantasizes a little bit about Cutter accepting immortality and living forever or whatever. But, you know, she's in a place where she, I think, has done the emotional work and growth over the series to accept Cutter's death in a way that Skywise hasn't. Oh, definitely. I mean, well, she is the new mother of memory now, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's totally, like, embraced that role. She's matured to the point of being able to embrace that role. And even Sava says on um, the page before, or, or several pages before, uh, the one we were talking about there, uh, she she says, Lita is my true successor. Yeah. Um, yeah, so she's... She's definitely matured. Um, her character arc throughout the series is one of the most dramatic as far as uh, how much the character has changed from the beginning of the story to the end. Yeah. Uh, because like you said, she started out as sort of this like spoiled princess with this incredible power, right? That she sort of just wielded without any, without any real thought. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, she's progress to what she is now which is this very like um well she's like the the new mother of memory yeah i mean that's um, you know, that's very yeah that says it all right i mean yeah we we as elfquest fans know what that means right i mean this mm-hmm. wise maternal uh figure that all in a way almost tr- can transcend some of these uh, reactions and emotions you know like they they are so mature that even even when the most horrific thing, like they, the word I'm looking for is perspective. They like have instant, high-level perspective on everything that happens in life, and mm-hmm. with that comes a sense of peace and serenity. And yeah. you know, I don't think Lita is quite where Sava is, but it's very clear that that's her trajectory. And I feel oh, yeah. like, you know, if this if this was all the last we ever saw of Lita, that I feel like there's a, again a kind of a sense of inevitability and and a, and a conclusion and you know fodder for my imagination to to envision how she ends up. Whereas with Skywise, I very much feel like Skywise's story is not told yet. That's what I was thinking too, and I mean I can almost see this. This might be really out in far left field, but um, like this sort of having a negative effect on Skywise to the point where he could become very not a villain so much, but like almost Rayak like. Mm-hmm. Uh because he seems so unaccepting of death. I mean he even chose to become an immortal to avoid it, right? Right. Uh and he knew Cutter was gonna die at some point and obviously he's gonna be upset, but it just seems like his reaction to Cutter's death is very it's not very nuanced, and it's very sort of, I want to say, immature. Well, that's that's Skyway's note throughout all the Final Quest. You know, we've talked about it, is that he still has this this element of immaturity, and maybe a little bit of selfishness, and a little bit of a little bit of a myopic worldview. You know, like yeah, you know, I mean, early on when he when he first. I mean, he's still young, right? A, right. A, he's go. young. He's what, like, he's forty 50. something. Yeah, I was gonna say fifty something. I don't know, but mm-hmm. um, maybe a little bit older, because I think over the course of over the course of Final Quest, about fifty or sixty years passed. 
So, right. Yeah. And he going into it was, was maybe 40. So he's, he's still younger than a hundred, right? Which is mm-hmm. an infant basically in elf years, especially for immortal elves. But so, yeah, I think some of it is, is that, is that he just, he hasn't had as much life experience as a lot of the other characters as far as being able to mature. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't really know what else to say about that other than I feel like, you know, we all know that final quest is the conclusion of Cutter's hero's journey, but mm-hmm. it's not the end of Elf Quest. And I, for one, would love to kind of see what happens with Skywise next. Um, I mean, yeah, it's funny because he is the master of the palace, and he's, I guess, he's recognized to Maine. He's, I think, life mated to her. We see a shot uh, on the Star Home where they're floating up in the air and they're with uh, their child, which was later revealed. Yes, it's Jenk. Yeah. Um, we can talk about that in a bit, but, um, you know, he's, uh, and he's able to transform himself into sort of a high one form, yep. but, uh, he's still very much this sort of like, like you described, like this immature kind of, uh, childish in some ways, um, personality, uh, that can't really accept change or so. Yeah, it would be interesting to see how he progresses because there's that contrast between what he, um, like how he, who he is now in terms of like his role and how he presents himself and right. who he is internally, emotionally, and psychologically. Yeah. Yeah. No, that that's that's a, a really interesting observation. And I guess you know, for me, one of the things that I sent to Wendy and Richard after I read it was. Yeah, you know, first and foremost, again, for me, that sense of, of a peace and fulfillment that I had after I read it, um, even though I was very sad about it. Um, but it was very satisfying from that point of view. But I said to them, you know, you, you wrapped up, you know, this 40 year hero's journey. And at the same time, you took a fistful of seeds and flung them out on fertile soil because they didn't mm-hmm. wrap up every, fi- every last little detail and story point, you know, e- from within the final quest or even other plot points that happened in other quests that are still kind of unanswered. Right. Um, and I think the skywise is one of them and, you know, I don't know what the future holds, but I, uh, there's plenty of fodder for future elf quest stories with the way the final quest wrapped up. Definitely. Which is uh, yeah. There's tons of threads that are left dangling for sure. I mean, we can discuss that. Yeah. Well, uh, now i guess yeah i mean like obviously there's there's a ton of things like is em are ember and tear going to have a cub are they going to sort of reignite the spark of recognition and have a cub like what happens with the the chief's line now um because in that last page that full page uh splash very last yeah, yeah splash page yeah splash um we see ember and tear but we don't see their child so they haven't had a cub yet and it's been 16 years i think it says two eights yeah um and then we get a glimpse of uh we see cutter and lita's uh new cub right yeah who has um, affectionately been dubbed chad because <laughs> we don't know his name and yeah simone farber um who is a participant on the the facebook fan group Mm-hmm. dubbed him Chad and it kind of stuck. And I think it's kind of hilarious. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Uh, um, right. So as far as the chief yeah. line goes, um, 
you know, if Ember chooses not to have a kid, so what, right? You've got another, you know, chief in waiting if you're going to stick with the hereditary wolf rider line. Um, mm-hmm. you know, and also 16 years is nothing. It might be 600 no, years before Ember feels that she's ready and comfortable to have a kid, right? And she does yeah. say to Cutter, you know, I'm going to pass on everything I learned to my cub. So I think she does say that. Yeah. I think, you know, she, she's not, I'm never going to have a kid. Um, she's just like, I, I want to be the one to choose when, you know, and I think Mm -hmm. the, that maybe they're the exception to the rule of recognition because they had Mender and Lita and, and, and she had this own innate power the way her mother did to kind of sever that, that call of recognition. Um, but I really liked that that was included because on some level, you know, recognition is pretty draconian. <laughs> so um, to, to weave within the story at, at least one plot line where there are characters that are able to exercise a little bit more choice in it, um, yeah. I think was kind of nice. And so if Emma ever has a yeah. kid, for me, I'm totally fine with that as a reader. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and, and from, from a, again, sort of a storytelling plot point point of view, like I was just saying, if if the concern is, well, who's going to be chief after Ember? Well, you've got Chad, right? So yeah, exactly. Chad Although that line, though, when she does say, I'll, "I'll one day teach my own cub," it sort of seems to be foreshadowing that she yeah will. Um, but wouldn't it be interesting if there was some sort of challenge between Chad and Ember at some point? I mean, that would be an interesting storyline. Yeah, well, there's there's one of those you know the seeds on on fertile ground. Um, although, you know, the, the whole Ember being challenged thing kind of already happened with, with with Scouter when he challenged and deposed her briefly, but, um, Mm -hmm. but, you know, I mean, again, that's the whole point. Like our, this is a conclusion, but just like when the, when the original quest ended, there were many unanswered questions and all of our imaginations kind of went wild with what would happen next, you know, up until we got Siege of Blue Mountain and we found out. So it's yeah. kind of, um, while it's sad on many levels that, you know, this is sort of the conclusion of Final Quest and Cutter's story and, and, you know, Wendy and Richard helming a, a long format comic series, you know, all with all the deadlines and everything that that's, that's what they've said they're, they're kind of done with. But, um, I still think it's exciting to think about what, what else could come out, um, you know, from other creative teams. And it seems to me that Dark Horse is, you know, definitely still interested in publishing ElfQuest. Um, you know, what will come of that? Again, I have no idea, but, um, I, I, well, there's I a great like, interview that just came out, uh, on sci-fi. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Wire or something. Um, with Wendy and Richard. It's a really, really good one. Uh, but they, they talk about the future of ElfQuest and it seems like there's some stuff going on as far as like, in the planning stages with Dark Horse, and uh, they mentioned that they have um, been approached by different creators or artists um, who have, you know, said, "Hey, if you're if you're gonna go forward with the story, I'd be interested in working with you guys." So um, we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. But and it sounds like Dark Horse is interested in continuing to publish ElfQuest stories. So. Yeah, which is fantastic. But what role Wendy and Richard will play in that is another question. Like, would they continue to sort of maintain, like, an, um, you know, like a they're the overseers of what's what stories would be told, or uh, would they completely separate from anything I, that's going on? I, I think so. I think the former. Um, I mean, they're mm-hmm. they're on record as saying that they're that they're interested in serving as I think, you know, story and art advisors to any new creative teams that come on board. Um, yeah, which I think is fantastic. And, um, 
you know, I mean, the thing that they have said that they're done with is the, is the you know, the daily monthly grind of, of producing a comic book series on deadline, right? And so, right. you know. But does that, does that mean, I mean, Wendy's going <laughs> to be shaking her fist at me when I say this, but does that mean that Wendy won't be doing, like, uh, a, a ElfQuest comic on her own schedule and releasing it when she feels like instead of on a monthly yeah, my uh, my you know, guess on that kind of timeline. My guess is, um, well, one, I think anything's possible in the future, right? But I also think it's probably way too uh, early to make any kind of speculation about anything like that. I think Wendy yeah. right now is probably still reveling and not being chained to her her drawing tablet, um, for sure. Which I, you know, that is more than than fair. So, um, you know, ha- after having put all the blood, sweat, and tears into Final Quest, so. Um, yeah, I mean, who knows, right? I mean, I think we just we have to watch and and wait and and see what where you know their their life takes them and what they decide that they want to do. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, I, I'm happy right now with the prospect of the possibility of new ElfQuest stories down the line. Um, you know, with oversight by Wendy and Richard or not. You know, I mean, I, I'm I'm really satisfied with Final Quest, and I'm kind of I too am kind of just still swimming in that right now and not really worrying too much about what the future brings. Um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm happy and satisfied with the idea that there could be something for me. Yeah. And uh, I think there will be, I mean, it just seems like the way that they're talking about it. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, we, we'll have to see whether or not that uh, like in what capacity that will include yeah. Wendy and Richard, as far as like if Wendy's going to be, you know, producing, drawing her own. Yeah, and, own time. and on all of that, I will remind everybody to always um, follow the ElfQuest website, and if you go to the homepage, which has a brand new look, by the way, so ElfQuest.com, if you haven't gone there in a while, go take a look, it's pretty awesome, um, and if you scroll down, you'll see the news section, if you click on that, that will that's where all the latest updates are, so make sure you follow the page, you should also follow the official ElfQuest Facebook group, Instagram and Twitter, um, and that will be where any kind of late new late breaking news about anything to do with ElfQuest is is always going to appear. So, you know, don't miss out. I guess is my point. You know, follow all the official uh, channels if you want to be kept abreast of what's going on in the world of ElfQuest. Um, as far as other like dangling plot, threads, oh, and so, the other thing I, I mean, about that. yeah, sorry. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say that you mentioned that sci-fi wire interview. I actually yeah. haven't watched it yet, yeah. but, oh, okay. um, mm-hmm. but that's a perfect example. If you guys want to watch that, uh, go to the ElfQuest website. It's going to be under that news section. There's a post about it. You can, it's also been shared on all the social pages, but by the time this is published, it'll be probably at least a few days since we are recording and they might have been swallowed up by the social media, um, you know, engine with new, new content. So um, if you want to watch it, People are raving about it. Um, I again I haven't watched it yet, but uh, go to elfquest.com and then click on news. Cool. So you were going to say yeah. a dangling plot thread? Uh, just some more things that I guess could be explored. I mean, obviously a big one is all of the uh, tribes that we saw in that um, that two-page spread. Uh, I don't know how many issues ago, but there was the fire elves and. Um, 
the uh, the the hidden ones or whatever they were called, not the hidden ones, the um like changing into yeah. humans, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and was there were there other ones? I don't know okay. that there was any others like uh, specifically identified, but you know, Skywise yeah. in that in that scene kind of says, you know, he's telling um, Free Touch, you know, I like I'm actually surprised at how many elves chose not to answer the call. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, originally, you know, he was like, yeah, everyone, like all elves should come and they should all be made immortal. And thankfully he got, he, he didn't go down the right path with that. He seems to have just accepted that not everybody is going to want to leave the way that he does. And, you know, the wave dancers are still there. The wolf riders and go backs, the majority of those three tribes are still present. Um, and we know that there are other elves scattered around um, just by the fact that, you know, Dreon was bringing random elves in and we hear about random yeah. elves showing yeah. up and, you know, whether or not they're from tribes or whether or not they're just loners. I mean, we have no idea, right? So I mean, Dreon himself, we haven't really right. gotten much information on. We really know nothing about him, where he yeah. came from, why he is the way he is. Yep. And that's a pretty big um, plot thread, I think, that could be uh, explored. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. then you get into the... You know, the events of the, the Future Quest era, um, the sure. series, the Rebel series, and then the, the, the Future Quest series from the anthology ElfQuest comic. And, you know, those are, I think, generally considered canon for the most part. I think maybe they're, uh, you know, like with a lot of the stuff from the 90s, there might be a little bit of shifting of, of specific plot points um, as the story evolves. But, you know, I think those are generally canonish. So it's... It's like, how do you, um, you know, there's still unanswered questions from the end of Final Quest to to that that era, right? So we know that, you know, we know that Jink is born, and we know that she's the daughter of Tamane and and Skywise, and I guess in a way, in in a weird way, she's also Cutter's child, right? Yeah. Um, if Cutter and Tamane, you know, kind of share, yeah, are are the same being in different iterations, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so. You know, just tons to speculate about there. Um, you know, yeah. wh- where do the elves go in the ensuing? I think it's supposed to be like 900 years later or something like that. Um, you know, because obviously then, they're not they're not around in the numbers that they seem to be at the end of Final Quest. Right. Yeah. Um, exactly, because the Wolf Riders still exist, and I wasn't even sure that was going to happen by the end of Final Quest. Right. <laughs> um, you know, like, what was going to happen, but clearly there's still a tribe at the end of Final Quest, and uh, they're a combined tribe with the Gobacks now, right? It seems like uh, well, Tune is almost like the, the chief of the Gobacks. Or... Yeah, I, so my take is, my interpretation is, um, let me see if I can find it. I, 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 I'm, it. I don't think it's actually in this issue. I think it's in the last issue. It's, it is in the last issue where we mm-hmm. see um, Two Edge and Audrey like showing the Gobacks what looks to be like a new Goback Lodge. Yeah, that's remember right. we talked about mm-hmm. that, and so mm-hmm. I think the Gobacks are 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 there, but I get the impression that they're still living kind of separately, um, living yeah. as Gobacks, and that would make a lot of sense because it's been. A couple times over the course of ElfQuest, the point has been made, you know, you really can't have, you know, a, a giant group of elves living in the forest because the ecosystem, you know, isn't conducive to it. Um, you know, think back to, um, I think, the beginning of Kings of the Broken Wheel when when 
the Sun Villagers, the the Jack Wolf Riders showed up, and Cutter says something like that. You know, like it's time to everybody go their ways. There's too many of us here. And um, again, in Final Quest, when Cutter's thinking about all the elves coming to answer the palace's call, he's like, they're going to overrun us. Living in, you know, they're going to disrupt the Holt. So. Um, so mm-hmm. my take is that like the Govacs are somewhere nearby, but maybe not like right there. Mm-hmm. And they're living in you know sort of an underground lodge, maybe with Two Edge and Audrey. I don't know. And that yeah, like Tyr and Ember are kind of like co-chiefs. Chiefs is kind yeah. of my take. You know, maybe with Tyr being the uh, you know m- m- taking the lead with the Govacs. And then there's the wave dancers. I mean, we haven't seen them for a few issues now. Uh, yeah. The last time we saw them was when they were attacking the um, the warships, mm-hmm. and then they were bringing uh, people to shore. Uh, but that was the last we saw of them. Well, um, they weren't really involved in the the last couple of issues here. Yeah. So, which you know, I mean, it's like there's only so much you can cram into. <laughs> into oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I feel like they there there was a little bit of a final note with them because. That like they they come to this place where they you know they talk about salt and spray making it to the palace and how joyous they are about that and you know they they dismantle the disable these these human ships but then they save as many of the humans as they can and snakeskin says you know like I I leave you as a school so like what are we gonna do and there seems to be this like collective thing like. Um, I think it's Longfin that says it. You know, the 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 vast deep waters need protecting, and like that's our purpose. That's our new mm-hmm. purpose, and I that felt like a kind of a little conclusion for them, at least for the time being. You know, like they've got a new sense of purpose. They've got a new coral um, palace under the sea that that snakeskin shaped for them. They're they they've grown as a tribe. They're not as fearful. You know, reefs transformation I think is very symbolic of that entire tribe's. Uh, point of view from being kind of shy and hidden and fearful like the way they were under surge and paranoid to embracing life and the oceans and this newfound purpose of pr- actually protecting them. Mm-hmm. That's again, just my take on, on the wave dancers. So there's uh, a bunch of other things in here to touch on. I want to go back to, we, we were talking about um, what I call Cutter's funeral scene, which okay. Mm-hmm. That was that was pretty gut wrenching. Um, <laughs> I have to say, yeah. you know, as far as like, you know, Cutter dying was like, oh my gosh, like it hit you. But but seeing that panel, which is so like, it's so reminiscent of like the great art masters of uh, of antiquity, um, with Cutter laid out and the Wolf Riders sort of gathered around. Yeah, absolutely. Right? That's kind of what I saw too. Um, uh... It very much like the king on his uh, right, you know, yeah, and yeah. everyone's coming uh, grieving around but, him. Mm-hmm. Um, so so yeah, I mean, and just a beautiful scene, you know, uh, Ember echoing the words of Bearclaw, who she's been very much been set up to sort of be the the uh, kind of the heir to, in, in way more than Cutter ever was, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, saying you know, a wolf rider's life is, is short and sharp like a bolt of bright fire in the night. Um, it, yeah, it's just, it's a really powerful moving scene and I just felt it needed to be called out. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking how much Shuna has suffered because not only has she lost, uh, her elf father, she's lost her best friend as well within the span of what, like hours. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, chemo. So she suffered quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. Chemo and and cutter um, within really minutes, right? I mean, not much time passed between. No, I guess not. Chemo yeah, minutes, sacrificing yeah. himself and. You know, they just walked from the meadow over to the father tree, and right after that, the you know the bombers blew it up, and then a couple minutes after that, Cutter gets bitten by the spider. So, really rapid fire, yeah. Well, Shuna, yeah. you know, Shuna is in very many ways kind of the the human version of Saba, right? I mean, she's almost like oh yeah, for sure. Of memory. She has that same sense of peace and serenity about her, mm-hmm. even in the face of the horrors that life has thrown at her that yeah. someone like Saba and now Lita have. So I think, um, yeah, I didn't even really think that much about that, about Shuna's character growth too, but that, uh, that's pretty spot on. And now we have the answer as to why she can send. Right. Which, um, so I, that's yeah. finally been addressed. That's And that was also satisfying, and I think exactly what I would have expected. You know, like Shuna has been so close to the elves and so more than any other human ever really uh, around them in the palace that it can't help but have affected her and, and mm-hmm. turn a switch that, you know, maybe has never been turned on before within the human species that, you know, kind of is an indicator of a greater potential. Right. Yeah. Uh, which we also saw in some of future quests too, right? Well, right. By the time, you know, assuming those points are canon, that there mm-hmm. are humans that, yeah, the humans have evolved and advanced enough to, some of them anyway, have this natural innate sending ability. Um, and it, again, it makes you wonder, Also, it makes you ask all sorts of questions, like, well, are they descendants of Shuna somehow? I mean, are they, um, or, or is it just that the human race has, again, kind of evolved mentally and spiritually enough to be able to tap into that that inner magic, if you will? And And, and remember, if you go back to the original quest when Tamane is explaining through Suntop what, you know, how the High Ones ended up coming to the world of Two Moons, part of that narrative is that, you know, they were just normal mammalian creatures at some point that over the eons, you know, evolved. And I think the word is that they awoke their inner magic. Um, you know, they were a technological race at first. Um, and then, so you, know, you can see some parallels here that maybe the humans of the world of two moons are continuing on that same kind of evolutionary trajectory. So if a bunch of humans are able to send in the future, that doesn't necessarily make it that they have to be descendants of Shuna, which I kind of like. Right. Yeah, exactly. It might be a little bit too neat if they were all descendants of Shuna. Uh, Speaking of descendants of Shuna on the last page, um, the drummer guy, mm-hmm. and then there's uh, a woman handing or holding her um, her staff. Uh, I'm just wondering if maybe they're her grandchildren, or because I, her Shukapek would probably be dead by this point, right? Quite likely. Um, yeah, I guess. And I do think that. Um, I mean, the drummer at least looks just like one of Shukapek's kids, just old. Yeah, and they're not part of the insect tribe so right mm-hmm. i'm wondering if that's yeah I, 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 I mean obviously that's not we're not told that directly but i think that's yeah. a, a a really good thing that we can assume mm-hmm. I, it, it may it makes me feel good to assume it so that's what i'm going to do <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um yeah so i want to come back to this last page because i think that's a good place for us to end so let's just 
like put a pin in that. I want to go back to uh, Cutter's funeral scene, and um, you know, again, the that 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 top panel with Cutter laid out with the Wolf Riders mourning, heart wrenching. Ember's goodbye, Shuna's goodbye, equally so. You know, we you know, Skywise says his goodbye, and he echoes what he says to Cutter when they part for the very first time at the end of the original quest when Skywise was originally going to stay in the palace and gives Cutter the lodestone. He says, don't lose it. It'll guide you wherever you want to go. It'll bring you good luck. Um, mm-hmm. And he echoes that again. And, of course, now it's, like, even more heart-wrenching. But um, I think two of my favorite panels in this issue, and and honestly, again, all of ElfQuest, mm-hmm. is Lita's final goodbye to Cutter. When she She's just gently leaning in and laying her head one last time on his shoulder. And she says, someday, beloved, when the time is right, I will join you. For there are none like you, nor ever will be. And she just closes her eyes. And she's not weeping. She's not an emotional mess. Again, she has this sense of deep sadness, but uh, also serenity about her. And it's just like pure love emoting out of that page. And it... It, it, again, just so satisfying. Yeah, and and very very powerful, but very subtle too at the same time, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not uh, like you say she's not completely breaking down and weeping. It's very uh, very much like sort of that um, placid, accepting, peaceful reaction um, that we described before that Lita's sort of embrace now that that part of herself where she's grown to to be that uh that type of of person right at this stage yeah and um mm-hmm. well and then you know cutter's ultimate fate is that red lance gives lita a seed of you know presumably of the father tree which she kind of shapes into cutter's chest right in his heart and then using the power of the little palace Sky, or, uh, Red Lance is able to regrow the father tree with from that seed, and you know basically Cutter becomes incorporated into the father tree, and so Cutter really is now, in some way, his phys- the physical part of him anyway has become the 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 how the home and the protector of all of the Wolf Riders, and I also found that so deeply satisfying. Um, you know, it's like the epitome of being recycled and and the opposite of meat to be wasted, which, you know, when Cutter was running mad, there was that whole scene where, the, you know, Cutter's not afraid of dying. He's afraid of his meat being wasted. And the opposite of that happens here. Not only does, you know, he his body become part of incorporated into the, the another living thing, but it's the mm-hmm. living thing that is the symbol of, again, the idea of a father for all of the wolf riders and, and the place where even the spirits of the wolf riders find shelter. Um, I just, again, what an incredibly fitting end for, for Cutter for his body, at least. Absolutely. And I mean, and usually the wolf riders give their bodies to the wolves, right? right. Uh, so I, I actually prefer this a little bit more <laughs> just as opposed to the idea of a little bit less grizzly, right? by wolves. Yeah. <laughs> And, 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 you know, speaking of foreshadowing, which so much of this, again, I, I really recommend everybody going back and reading the entire series. Um, even if you just read the final quest, start to finish, now that it's complete, 
there's so much foreshadowing and so many hints that it's it's actually kind of mind-blowing. But go back to the original, uh, the beginning of the, the final quest with Rafael's death. And right, what we see happening with Cutter in the very last issue was completely foreshadowed in the very first issue when they have the conversation about what to do with Rafael's body. And they decide, Red Lance actually suggests, you know, maybe she'd be happy helping more flowers to grow. And Tree Stump's like, that's weird. And Cutter's like, no, it's it's perfect. Actually, he says it's perfect. Does he really? I, I'm, I'm pretty sure. I don't have it in front of me. But I think he says, no, it's perfect. And so the very first issue foreshadows something that happens at the very last issue, where instead of giving the body to the wolves, they allow plant life to grow out of it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. <laughs> Interesting. Um, wow. So, I yeah, I, I, I really, really loved all of that, that aspect. Um you know, going back to the conversation about the Future Quest era stories, in those stories, again, if this remains canon, the Lodestone's there. Um, and now we know how it could be there, because Skywise left it behind um, on Cutter's body. So presumably it's kind of in the ground underneath the, the Father Tree's roots right now. Um, right, right. Which is yeah. also kind of a neat thing to think about, that a piece of Skywise is still there, too, within the mm-hmm. Father Tree. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, one thing we haven't really discussed too much is um, Rayek in this issue. Yeah, let's talk about. We didn't get around to him too much. Uh, so I really like the um, dynamic between Cutter and Rayek uh, in this issue. Um, I guess it's their final interaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, just very much. I mean, this came out of okay. So the the challenge. Uh, well, not the challenge, but uh, back in Hidden Years Nine and a Half when they fought, right? And then they sort of came to a bit of a uh, an understanding between each other, and then that's just kind of progressed throughout the uh, uh, the series from that point. Um, and then a few issues back, we got that scene with the two of them talking in silhouette. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. It was the one page, right? That was a really great scene. And then this sort of just. Um, takes that even further, this interaction that the two of them have together where they're sort of uh, discussing everything that's going on. Um, and and Cutter recognizing, you know, the burden that Rhea carries inside of him he even says that specifically, like with having to uh, contain Winnowill. Um, and then Winnowill's uh, interaction here too, where she reveals to Rhea what Cutter actually is. Yeah, that was kind uh, of great. And, great scene. And, yeah. and Rayek, as as would have been expected, kind of gets the wind taken out of him by this major revelation. And that's something that we that we kind of talked about a little bit in past episodes. It's like, well, will Rayek ever find out, and how will he react? And um, you know, I think his reaction is pretty in character. You know, he he has that moment of like utter shock. You know, his eyes are bugged out when he realizes it, and then. The next panel that we see him in, he's kind of turned his back to Cutter, and you can really see, like, he's just got this, like, almost confused, semi-distraught look on his face. He goes from mm-hmm. shock to, like, yeah, pro- shock. like, he's processing it and, like, what it means. Yeah. And then the next panel, his face has this look of kind of grim resolve, and he's basically, like, Ekwar is, like, you know, babbling in the background. He's like... Uh, I, I can't talk about this right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I gotta, um, I gotta go. Yeah, he's just absorbing it. This. And then seconds yeah. later, he realizes that Cutter's dying. Um, and mm-hmm. so... Um, um, and his reaction to Cutter dying here, too, was really sort of... Um, 
I don't know if I, I want to say refreshing, but just like uh, he's clearly like sincerely concerned. Yes. Yeah. Um, which is really sort of a big change, right? Yeah. Like he wants. He's very concerned that Cutter's going to die, and uh, and then Eckwar says, you know, Mender isn't here. Lita must, and that's when uh, Cutter says, no, don't disturb or stay here. I raised Venka, so he almost holds him. Uh, he almost blackmails him in a way. Yeah, kind yeah. of blackmails Rick. He's like, no, I raised your daughter, so now you're going to do me a favor. Exactly. Yeah, and I, and a note yeah. on that, I think some people were confused that they were thinking that Cutter was telling. Ray to stick around to help raise Shuna or help protect Shuna after he's gone. But that's not what he's mm. saying at all. He's, no. he's, he's saying no. what you just said that no, Ray, like I raised your daughter. You're going to not go get healing for me so that my human daughter survives. So just sit tight is what Cutter said. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, Ray, um, you're totally uh, exactly my take on it too. I mean, he's, this this whole end scene with Rayek is just the major punctuation point on his character growth, right? So, you know, he his, his once enemy, you know, his his the the the, the flip side to, to everything about him, you know, he's now in a position to to try to have to have to save, and he he wants to, you know, he even he even goes as far as to breaking the taboo of waking. Win a will up and and asking for her power and of course she's like sure yeah use my healing power but really she's only channeling like pain and and horrible horrible anti healing um, and which thankfully Rayek realizes before he puts his hands on Cutter but um right but he's clearly in a panic state he's distraught yeah. right I mean this is how concerned he is about Cutter right. at this point which is a huge change from what their relationship was you know when we first started the quest yeah. I mean they were rivals they despised each other i mean at least rayek hated cutter yeah um you know but now he's i i don't even know how to describe their relationship they're not they're still not friends but they can kind of they respect each other and i guess rayek's gotten to the point now where he respects cutter um for everything that he has done for the elves uh, I think he's gotten to that point now. Yeah, you know? so, uh, very much so. And and you know, Winnowill even says it. You know, this is this is actually what wakes her up, is just the idea that um, she senses that Rayek has let Cutter into his heart, and that there's a, a sense of respect. She says, right, um, and that by by Rayek opening up his heart finally to Cutter allows is what allows Winnowill to kind of really perceive Cutter as he truly is. And this is another bit of foreshadowing now that we're talking about it, because when Tamein reveals to Cutter who sh- that they're one in the same being just in two different bodies, Cutter has in his panic thoughts, he says like, do all spirits see that? And we know that Kavi sure did, right? Cause she made a joke. Yeah. So yeah. Winnowill, because she's a spirit in theory, would be able to know that, but we get an answer here that the reason that she didn't perceive it in spirit form um, and you know know it and blurt it out and use it against Rayek earlier is because because she's specifically because she's contained by Rayek and Rayek had really shut Cutter completely out until this moment and um, yeah so another little revelation that I didn't realize until just now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that was deliberate or not, but. 
I think but it, it's I think it works it's there. Yeah, <laughs> um, definitely. That scene where Rayek is um, asking Winnowill to put her healing power into him so that he can heal um, Cutter. First of all, that's just really cool that she is able to do that, and that that's something that elf spirits can do. Mm-hmm. Um, well, at least elf spirits that's... that are being imprisoned within another elf. <laughs> yeah, true enough. Um, but uh, do you notice the difference uh, in the way Winnowill is drawn, how she's depicted, between most of the panels of her where she has that sort of sinister, uh, devious look about her? Um, but there's that one image of her uh, where she's floating behind Rayek and he's staring at his hands. Well, she turns uh, red. She there. looks, but and but she also she's drawn differently in such a way that it it lo- looks almost like how she did in the before time um, when Blue Mountain was first uh, first being built before before um, Winnowill corrupted internally. Um, she's just her look on her face, the way her hair is drawn. Uh, she looks much more. Um, like placid, and I think that's almost like a depiction of because she says, "Of course, beloved, touch him." <laughs> like she's trying to convince Rayek that like, look, I'm is... sweet and innocent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's interesting. Right? I thought you were gonna mm-hmm. say that in those two panels when she's kind of activating her anti-healing magic through Rayek, she goes from being kind of like depicted in the negative, in like the spirit negative, to yeah. kind of being depicted in in in. With like red coloration, you know, like a positive image where mm, yeah. you know, her flesh is colored and, 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 you know, so, but yeah, that's an interesting observation because <laughs> she is, but if like, you, yes, if, of course, touch him, use my power, blink, 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 right? <laughs> if you notice though, so she does, you're right. She does go from like the negative, right? Mm-hmm. Her, where it's just her head floating mm-hmm. above him. To this, these warmer colors, where she's saying, "Yes, of course, touch him," and it's like she's trying to seductively convince Rayek that, you know, go ahead and touch him and heal him. Right. And then the next panel, do you notice how she's those warm colors, but down towards the bottom right or towards the right side of that panel, mm-hmm. she starts to shift back to the negative. Oh yeah, when, which, coloration, yeah. and that's when she starts to say things like, um. I just wanted to give him a farewell jolt. Right. You know, like she's the true self is revealed. And so she's visually depicted back to yeah. who she truly is. I didn't really notice that until either until we just discussed this. And you're right. When she goes back into the negative, it's when she's sticking the knife in Rayek and saying, you know, right. Nope. Sorry. So long as you're going to hold me, you can't use me except for harm. And again, this is going back to what we were talking about, you know, Rayek's story arc. I think this is another really important thing to understand is that in that, that scene in, I think it was issue 22 that you were just mentioning where Cutter and Rayek have this conversation. Um, and we see them kind of in silhouette, you know, Rayek pretty much says like, Winnowill isn't really trying to escape anymore. Her goal now that she knows that my love for her is actually real, which she never really believed before. Mm-hmm. Um, after, you know, the reef took her off, um, off kilter by forgiving her and she actually was able to see you know into Rayek's heart and realize that he really does truly love her and you know wants to help heal her or whatever that her purpose now is not to escape first and foremost her purpose now is to destroy any hope of or destroy the sense of love that is within Rayek like that is that's you know his rogue's curse 
And so mm-hmm. it's not necessarily even about him first and foremost, you know, kind of uh, being her jailer. You know, it's about this struggle between the idea that love is real and exists and what Winnowill believes is that it doesn't. And, and that I'm going to prove to you that it doesn't because I'm going to make you hate me. Right. You know, which is a pretty horrific fate. It is. Uh, and will we ever get a resolution to that? Because another, another, you know, I, I, I've been using dangling plot thread, right? Hashtag um, future story fodder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, here's the thing. Like final quest is the, um, the resolution to Cutter's hero's journey, but there's another hero in ElfQuest, and it's Rayek. Mm-hmm. It's just that he's the sort of shadow, mm-hmm. um, the shadow uh, hero, the uh, the shadow of of Cutter, um, and he's on his own hero's journey. And so, uh, you know, we we've seen bits and pieces of Rayek's fate in the future, but. Will we ever get a full resolution to his story and uh, and what happens between him and Winnowill and if it is ever resolved or is he still wandering the world of two moons like hundreds or even thousands of years into the future still trying to contain Winnowill? Yeah. Like how does their story end, right? Yeah. Well, like I said, future story fodder, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's a really great point that Rayek really is, you know, he's Cutter's shadow. And so I guess in that sense, you would call him, it'd be more accurate to call him the anti-hero, maybe. Um, yes, And exactly. I don't know Absolutely. what um, you know, the Joseph Campbell school of thought is on anti-hero's journeys. But um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it would be nice for Rayek to come out and, and have a sense of peace uh, on some level and for there to be some resolution for Winnowill. Obviously, Final Quest was not the story. Uh, that's not what the final quest was about. Um, no. Even though, um, as we've talked about again on, on future ep- or previous episodes, how pleasantly surprised I was at how much character growth the Peenies were able to put into the Rayek and Winnowill relationship. When going into Final Quest, my thought was, well, you know, we kind of know what's up with them, and we know that Rayek's going to survive into the future because we've read Rogue's Curse. But um, really, really happy and satisfied with the really, uh, you know, pretty huge developments between Cutter and Winnowill. I'm sorry, Rayek and Winnowill and Rayek and Cutter that happened within Final Quest. Mm-hmm. I was definitely not expecting yeah. that. No, neither was I. Uh, they were a big part of Final Quest. Yeah. Pretty integral once they were introduced or reintroduced. Exactly, um, yeah. Yeah, and I wasn't expecting that at, uh, at all, um, just because of exactly what you said. Like, we sort of um, had an idea of what was happening with them and, like, how would they be incorporated into the story again. But, uh, yeah, Wendy and Richard uh, uh, figured it out. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, we got to see quite a bit of them. And I really like the fact that it was Rayek with cutter at the end yeah um you know of all people that he would be with at the very end of course it's ray yeah right yeah, yeah. i mean ray heard his final word perfect right and yeah. And, yeah. and got to share that with lita and skywise which which mm-hmm. was kind of a, a nice thing and and you know that, that's it for ray you know he flies off and, and i'm interpreting that as you know he he this, this is him really truly embarking on 
you know, the rogues curse era, uh, you know, where he's going to be distant from the other elves. Now, you know, that's not to say that he wouldn't have interactions with them in some future story, but, um, you know, he was pretty ever present throughout final quest living in the forbidden grove near the palace of the high ones at blue mountain. And so, um, I feel like with cutter's death, he is just, he's cutting himself off again. And, um, you know, his story ends pretty grimly with, you know, yeah. will again, digging her, the knife in and, you know, this last little pe- verbal parry and, and, you know, Winnowill pointing out, you know, all in all, all in all, I never heard him as much as you did. Yeah. And Ray, to his credit, is like, that's not going to work. You know, he was both barbarian and Taiwan and both forgave me. Um, even you know the power of forgiveness. And the look on her face is kind of like, hmm, right? <laughs> like, yeah. she's just, yeah. yeah, she can't argue back. Like, he, he basically shut her up. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says, but I envy him. He's free. And that is, you know, talking about the anti-hero's journey, and, you know, as, as opposed to the hero's journey, you know, the mm-hmm. hero's journey, Cutter is free at the end. And there is a sense of peace and conclusion and satisfaction with right. the end of Cutter's hero's With the journey. way it ends. And yeah. it's the exact yeah. opposite with, with Ray, you know, and right. he says, yes, it, it is. I'm, you know, I envy him. He's free. And Winnowill again digs the knife in one last time, and she says, "He always was. You shall never be." I mean, that yeah. is some pretty chilling stuff. And it is. That's how. Mm-hmm. That's how Rayek's story ends with in Final Quest. He just flies off with, with his fate, you know. And so, yeah. Um, um, but how much he has changed, though. I mean, this uh, acknowledgement of the power of forgiveness and the fact that Cutter and Tamane forgave him. Um, or, or sorry, that uh, he was both barbarian and high when both forgave me, like both parts of Cutter yeah. forgave him, and and uh, I mean just the acknowledgement of that that Rayek has matured to that point right. where he he can see that um, is is huge. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's just uh, you know Rayek's fate. It, it's I don't know. Is that pathos when it is that what this? Uh. And, you know, I, as, I, I, I don't know. I don't know, I like I, I don't know that if I fully under, if I have a good grasp of that term, I've heard it before. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It might be time to uh, resort the old Google and, <laughs> and <laughs> dictionary.com. Yeah, see if that um, but, uh, yeah, but it's that sense of, um, like you, you feel a sense of sadness for the fictional character, yeah. I guess. I don't, I don't know. Um, but knowing that, that like the struggle that, he he faces now right yeah no i definitely uh, i have a lot yeah uh, here it is yeah uh, um the quality or power uh, in an actual life experience or in literature or music or speech or other forms of expression of evoking a feeling of pity or of sympathetic and kindly sorrow or compassion yeah that's exactly so i guess yeah. i as a reader feel pathos yes then yeah for rex fate yeah for sure situation yeah so mm-hmm. Let's go back to Cutter because there's a few other things um, about his death scene and what happens right after that I think are really worth noting. Number one, the thing that more than anything got me feeling like the tears welling up, you yeah. know, because again, Cutter's actual death, like again, I had that sense of peace about it. But the thing that actually got me teary eyed was Loper. You know, Loper runs oh, yeah. up and. Um, you know, he runs up the hill after Ray deposits Cutter up there to oversee the healing of Shuna. You know, and you, you know, this is a young wolf, a year or so old, so he's all, you know, 
still a bundle of energy and wiggles. And even the way that Wendy draws him, you could just tell that about him. Um, number two, he's obviously in, you know, his color and facial patterns are obviously meant to evoke Nightrunner. Um, you know, he's got the same, mm-hmm. same coloration and a very similar facial pattern. So him running up and then the scene where he, like right after Cutter's bitten, Loper knows. Only Cutter and Loper know. They have this moment where Cutter's looking at his hand and Loper's facing him and he starts to whine and Cutter sinks as the poison starts affecting him and, you know, Loper just sniffs and licks and then, you know, man's best friend kind of, I'm, I'm like totally tearing up right now as I'm saying this and looking at, <laughs> you know, he yeah. just, it's the way, right? I mean, wolves don't fight against what happens in nature. They, they just accept it and Loper does that and, you know, for any dog owner or cat owner or pet owner in general, you know what I mean when I say there's nothing like the comfort of, you know, when you're just at your rock bottom, um, when, you know, your dog or your cat comes up and, you know, just is present with you. I mean, I've had mm-hmm. the same thing happen where, you know, I'm upset about something and my dog just comes up and, and you know, licks me on the face and then just settles in next to me. And it's so... Holy crap, right? I mean, it's... Yeah, comforting. Yeah. And, yeah. Now, comforting and heart-wrenching at the same time. You know, watching it play out this way on the page. Um, just, yeah. Thanks, Wendy and Richard, yeah. for making me cry. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I definitely wanted to highlight that. And, you know, Loper's there right through, you know, until the end when, when Cutter, Cutter goes. So, um, yep. just, yeah, really... Whew. Okay, deep breaths. Powerful, yeah. Um, the the other thing that we haven't even touched on is is what happens when Cutter goes, right? So it mm-hmm. just takes you know moments really for the poison to really take full effect, and he's already like half gone. You know, when Rayek is like, "What does Rayek say to him?" He's like, "You know, wh- where are you going? What do you see?" Um, and Cutter is kind of you know seeing what happened with the palace. So we do get a little bit of the answer to that story and that like pretty awesome double page spread where you see the, the universe and all sorts of space stuff. And, uh, you know, you see the palace go and, and sure enough, the high ones homeworld is just this sort of rotting dead rock, rock, you know, floating out in space, which by the way has three moons, if you count them, which is kind of neat. Um, Oh yeah. And the world of three moons. Right. And, Mm -hmm. What we see happen is that basically a big pod breaks off from the palace, presumably with all the elves in it. So we see this awesome double page spread of Cutter kind of, you know, witnessing and experiencing what happened with the palace after it left. And, you know, we see this kind of wonderful spacey scene with galaxies and and all sorts of uh, various heavenly bodies going on. And we see the palace re you know get to the, the high ones original world but um so then what we see what is what looks like a, a really big palace pod kind of separate out from the main body of the palace and presumably all of the elves and trolls are in there and then they except the ones that they don't want right <laughs> they're gonna go right jethel's in the yeah. <laughs> right and so, crash on the planet right. yeah. so what they do and this is again my interpretation from what we're seeing they you know they send the, the, the palace into the heart of this dead planet and the, the stored up magic and energy in, in the palace 
essentially, you know, reinvigorates life. It restores oceans and atmosphere and actually, you know, plants and animals. I mean, you know. Yeah, like an entire ecosystem. Yeah. Global ecosystem is yeah. like reestablished. Um, it's funny because I was thinking about a few issues back where when Moonshade died and they brought her body onto the palace and mm -hmm. somebody said something about there's no animals. Here, you know, it was like they didn't bring animals. What's a world without animals? Yeah. Yeah, so I was kind of expecting now looking at this um, that they would have like it would have been like Noah's Ark, like, let's gather two of everything and put them on the palace or, you know, their DNA or whatever. Right. Um, well, I mean, if, if the palace's power and the elves' power is enough to restore plant life, uh -huh. I don't see why I wouldn't be able to take, you know, the building blocks of, of wildlife and animals from the dead crust and, and essentially, you know, create them. And if you look at the, at the, the, the second to last page that – other big uh, double spread, you actually see a flock of birds. Yeah, that's right. Leading, um, you know, flying, mm -hmm. you know, and leading up to where um, Timane and Skyways and Jink are. So I think that was an image that Wendy made for the uh, the movie back in the nineties, um, and it's been repurposed for. Uh, oh yeah, for sure. For this issue, right? Absolutely. Which is kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, and she's added. Uh, yeah. There's, the characters that we know in there, like we can see Saba yeah. and the first comer troll. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then of course we've got Skywise, Tamane, and and Baby Jink. Baby Jink. And we've got yeah. Old Maggoty and uh, a, a troll. And I have a little bit of insight because again, when I was actually talking with Wendy and Richard, we were chatting about this, and I have to share it because I think it's just like the most awesome thing. Wendy shared with me that Maggoty, now that she's back on the home star, the star home, is dating again. And so she's, she's dating <gasps> oh. that, that other troll that she's with. And the other thing that Wendy shared with me was that, oh. you know, when you're, you're absolutely right. There was a piece of, of concept art that Wendy did back in the 90s that was, you know, for the, the movie project that they were working on at that point in time. And, um, you know, depicted the star home. And much of what you see in the spread is from that original piece, you know, some of the, the crystalline structures and, and things like that. Um, that Wendy has then, you know, added a lot to, which I love. I love when, when Wendy takes older pieces of art that maybe never made it into the comic and incorporates them in a new way into something in, you know, in Final Quest or whatever. But um, mm -hmm. she also shared with me that when she was thinking about how to design this page, um, you know, she, it dawned on her that, you know, the trolls are an equal people with the elves and they really needed to be reflected here. And trolls love bling. So the elves are all like, la, 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 rainbow crystals and, you know, flower sniffers, as Picknose once called them. And the trolls are like, we got gold. And so yes, exactly. Like, you know, yeah. these gold staircases that the trolls create. question that a lot of people had, like, well, what happens to Cutter when he dies? Does he just get reabsorbed back into, into the Tumane Park? And I think it's pretty clear that that's not what happens. But it's also pretty clear that... I think this is what Krim meant when she said, you know, going back, it's not just to the palace. I think elf spirits um, have the ability to, to, especially now that the star home is, is restored and the palace is, you know, is, is there, um, that the elves can go there in spirit form. And, and we see, you know, 
the 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 hint of Cutter's spirit, um, or at least just an outline of his body. I mean, Tamane and Sunstream and Sava are all instantly, and Skywise too, cognizant that Cutter has passed, that he's left his body. Yeah, right? and so, right. um, but there's no indication that he's just like he doesn't exist anymore. Like Tam still exists as a separate entity from Tamane now, and um, well, and she says, you know, she's like, so my wild wolf ride herself happiest of spirits, able to be here with me and everywhere. Um, mm-hmm. And that's pretty incredible. And then Sunstream's reaction is pretty interesting, too, because, you know, he's not grieving, per se. You know, he's like, yeah. No, he's it? not. You, can you see the star home? And I saw some folks, you know, kind of upset that, well, why didn't Sunstream go back for the funeral? And and this is why, to me. I mean, he doesn't need to, because Cutter's there with him. Yeah. You know? And... Yeah, sure, you know, to go grieve with you know, his family and whatever, but I don't know. This feels more right to me in some way that, you know, Cutter is there. And, I, you know, I also think it's really, like, I kind of, well, okay, uh, let me take a step back. Okay. Final Quest has a lot of story elements that are mythic to me and not necessarily, um, like, what's the right phrasing that I want to say here? Like to, to get the most out of them, you have to t- like take a step back out of like concrete reality to a degree. And, yeah. or actually, no, I know the word I'm looking for linear reality. Okay. Okay. So I think a lot, a lot of what's challenging about the final quest is that it has these kind of mythic scale elements to them, you know, plot, plot points and things that happen um, that are just really damn hard to wrap your mind around if you're thinking only in kind of like a concrete linear fashion. Like there really isn't a way to explain in a, in a, in a scientific way or again, a linear way, the connection between Cutter and Tomaine. There just isn't, you know, and if you're looking to put it into like a very tight concrete, box, concrete type, yeah. and, and, you know, bullet point, you know, explanation, I think you're gonna just end up being frustrated, and I yeah. also think that mm-hmm. it by if you obsess on it from that point of view, you kind of miss the point. This is like an emotional level thing, and it's a again like a mythic level thing. And by mythic, I mean I think this is a nod to if you go into real world, you know, other you know human mythologies that a lot of yeah these heroes are are you know they're kind of like. Demi gods, and I think this yeah. the, the the cutter to main connection mm-hmm. it, w- w- is in that vein, you know, to establish, yeah, you know, why is cutter different? Why is cutter the hero, um, and what sets him apart? And you know, Skyways has said it throughout, you know, like you always seemed older than me, and now we know why, you know, because mm-hmm. even though he was his own distinct being, um, he still had this connection, and he was something different and unique, um, and so I think that's that's how you kind of have to approach it. And on, and I know for a fact, that's really what the message that the peenies were going for what, by, in, by having that plot point, you know, like cutter is special and this is one of the reasons why, but like, you're never going to be able to really, again, lock it down into like a box and understand it. Same thing with how the spirit world works. And, and also with the, 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 the star home now, like I kind of think of the star home Yes, it's a physical planet, um, but I also think it's meant to represent kind of our, our the the concept of like a heaven, maybe. 
I yeah, I was just gonna say that like it's paradise, right? Paradise. Right? Maybe that's a better yeah. word. That's mm. a little bit less, um, you know, real world religiously charged than than the idea of heaven. But I think a lot of human cultures in the real world have this notion of, you know, th- some kind of afterlife, something beyond the 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 real like gritty hard life that we lead on this particular planet, which is like the world of two moons. And yeah, start- it's like, and this is where the gods dwell, yes. right? Like it's like Valhalla yes. or yes, exactly, right? Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. or even in Tolkien, like I, the great, I know bringing it back, but yeah, like, exactly the 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 West, right? Like whatever it's called, yeah, the Undying Lands. Right. Yeah, I think right. Mm-hmm. And so, so point being that this is a very common concept throughout a lot of mythology. And I think yes. this is ElfQuest's maybe version of it. And so if you right. understand the star home from that point of view, yeah, like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it actually, it makes it even better that Skywise did go back, right? Because Skywise still hasn't grown enough and let go to be able to accept the the gift of what this sort of this paradise is in a way that, you know, Tamane is not sad that Cutter is gone. She's like, oh, you're here with me now. Sunstream is the same thing, right? I mean, he's not grieving because he's already achieved paradise. And wow, and now my dad's here too. You know, like, it makes perfect mm-hmm. sense that he wouldn't go back to that other world, that other reality. Um, and Sava, you know, Sava has a concerned or not, she has like a, a pensive or a thoughtful look on her face. And, you know, she's like, oh, you know, my little fighting cockroll, you know, she too, just like Tamane and, and Sunstream has this kind of, Oh, you're here, kind of reaction. Uh, honestly, Sava's reaction is much more just being reflective of how Lita's life has now paralleling hers. You know, with her life exactly, dying, yeah. You know, and so, um, and then if you look at the next page, Tamane is just kind of looking at Skywise, like, how is he going to react? Um, mm-hmm. You know, like, and and again, Skywise is not ready to be to fully embrace paradise, right? Because of his connection to right. Cutter and. And so again, it just all goes back into, you know, Skywise's tale is not told. No, and then that brings me back to uh, Paradise, and if it truly is, because knowing what we know about Future Quest, uh, regardless of how canon it is, we know something happens with Jink mind-wiping somebody at some point. Um, and if it's Skywise, you know, then maybe Paradise is in all its... Uh, right. <laughs> it, it, you know, it, yeah. it's... well meant to be uh because if he's still grieving in some way or he can't get past you know the tragedy for him of cutter's death yeah. then well but, you know what what will he do to address yeah. that in the future and that exactly you know that goes with exactly what you're saying about uh, yeah you know his his story doesn't seem like it's been told yeah yet. and you know i mean it, it, it's not a uh it doesn't take a a, a sherlock holmes you know we, we know that that's jink and if the events of the the future quest stories are going to remain canon. It doesn't take again a, a, a genius to put two and two together. If Skywise is her father, we know that you know she mind wipes him. So that's not really much of a revelation. But what I would say is is not that paradise isn't all that it's made out to be. Is that paradise is what you bring to it. Hmm, yeah. You know, and if mm-hmm. you if you come to it and you're not ready for it, you're gonna still have you know suffering or you know, strife in your life. And I think that's what we see right here. You know, I mean, Skywise um, is still not ready for it. Maybe, you know, even though he's kind of, you know, the, he's the star, right? (laughs) Uh, No pun intended, right? He's the star of the, uh, of, of, of the elves. I mean, he, 
you know, he's in, 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 in a way he's a, he also has a parallel with, with Rayek, um, in a very different way than Cutter does, but with this whole idea of the, the palace and, you know, he's as close to the master of the palace, even though they don't use that term as, you mm-hmm. know, as, that, that we've seen since Rayek. So the fact that he yes. still is, um, you know, not quite prepared yet to accept what paradise has to offer. I, again, I think that's like, again, super rich, fertile storytelling ground. Um, and I want to, I want to, I want to read those stories. <laughs> yeah, um, definitely. So, um, also just like if they have adventures in the stars, I mean, we've been told that on a few occasions that they, they do that to and skywise have adventures, yeah, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I'd like to see that. Um, one thing I will say is I'm kind of surprised at how easy it is for them to travel between the star home and the world of two moons. Now it makes sense within the within the story because we know that the palace can traverse you know these infinite distances instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Um, but I almost feel like it kind of uh, like. Um, lessens the dramatic impact of the elves leaving if they can return to the world yeah. of two moons so easily. Yeah, I, I, I see that. I mean, I get that. Um, I, I because then why can't why can't everybody just go back and forth and like visit each other whenever they feel well, like I, it? Or if you want to go to the star home to live, like okay, well it's no big deal. Just send to Skywise and they'll come pick you up, and you're there. Like, right. Well, two seconds later, I think they right? can do that. And but I think it goes back to what I was just saying that this isn't just like hey let's go from planet A to planet B like this is going into like another realm of existence and I think the indication is that once you make that transition like you don't want to go back you know like everything is different mm-hmm. um, so yeah again again if you're thinking very linear mm-hmm. linearly it mm-hmm. you're right it does it's like well kind of takes away that dramatic tension but if you think about so you're saying there's like a metaphysical aspect to the star home that like fundamentally changes your perspective let's yeah, say yeah right i mean and you don't want to go back to like just the sort of like day-to-day existence of like survival right yeah i mean that's like it that, kinda, that, that to yeah. me has been stated pretty clearly right like moonshade's whole thing was you know there's a place where we can go where we don't have to run around killing things to survive you know like i think the implication right. is that you know, they can sustain themselves without um, kind of like an Earth-like ecosystem necessarily. You know, like there's something going on there, but it's different than than what happens on the world of two moons or the real world, right? And um, uh, what was the other thing I was going to say about that is, um, shoot, I thought I lost the thought, but it'll come back to me in a second. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think, I think very much so that, oh, I know what I was going to say. Um, Wendy made a comment on Facebook that don't necessarily think about like the star home existing even in the same kind of uh, uh, not universe like dimension you know dimension like the, yeah okay like these could be very different realities and and the, the palace is 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 a has enough power that it can kind of traverse all of that um, right you know that that something happening in the on the on the star home that you see depicted, you know, on linearly in the story doesn't necessarily mean they're happening at the same time, even right. It could be in a completely right. different kind of timeline um, dimension or something like that. So, I mean, that's all like really big, weird stuff. It's hard to wrap your mind around that, but um, I think it's helpful to, to acknowledge though, as a reader, like you have to kind of think 
a little bit like that if you're really going to understand it. Because otherwise, mm-hmm. again, if you try to apply this like, rigid, linear thought to it, you're going to hit these roadblocks and not really – it's not going to be satisfying. You're not going to quite get it. And that's not what the point right. of these stories is. Um, and um, oh, the, well, the other thing I was going to say that just um, escaped me but I remembered was that – I mean we know for a fact that the rules work differently on the star home, right? Magic is unfettered there. And so, you know, imagine going from a place like the world of two moons where, again, you are really locked down and, and, and even with the, the, the abilities that the elves gained when the palace was restored, um, they probably are dwarfed by what the elves could do in the star home. And so, again, once they're there, it makes, it would make sense to me that, you know, if you've gotten to as close to perfection as you're going to get, that it alters your everything, right? And, yeah, like who you were when you were living in a um, in a really physical realm is just a completely different being, and I, it makes sense that you wouldn't want to. It wouldn't even occur to you to go back, and the fact that it does for Skywise, as we were saying, um, another little light bulb that I, has just gone off is 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 just this idea that you know again Skywise still has a lot of turmoil in himself that maybe needs resolution, and maybe that's why you know only he. Is is so able, able to be pulled out of that moment of 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 a paradise? You know, I keep using that word hmm. that you said, but I think it's the perfect word, right? So, mm-hmm. anyway, yeah. I mean, my bigger point there was just my advice is to try to um, again not think so linearly and trust me. I always talk about how I'm a classic Virgo, even though I don't really buy into the whole astrology thing. It's just, yeah. you, know, you know, like my mind tends to be a little bit analytical. And I like right. to have things, you know, very tied up, concretely explained. Yeah. So this, yeah. I, I'm right there with everybody. I mean, it's a challenge to wrap my mind around some of this. Um, and uh, but anyway, I've I've done obviously a lot of thinking about it. And when I when I step out of that linear thinking, and I remind myself that a lot of this is is very symbolic storytelling, and um, you know, very archetypical. It's you know, it, it helps me wrap my arms around it a little bit more, even though even using the term wrap your arms around, you know, it's like trying to, it's trying to like trying to grasp, uh, you know, a cloud, right? Something. Right. Right. Um, yeah. I think that's okay. That's the, this is the, this is the, the, the big final chapter of ElfQuest. Like the fact that it goes into these very lofty intellectual places, like I'm totally cool with. Mm-hmm. I, I certainly, I'm much happier with that than, if it just ended like, you know, kind of a, a stereotypical reuse all the old tropes, sword and sorcery, you know, big fight battle, you know, they've already done that. They did that with the original palace war and that there's been notes of that throughout ElfQuest. Like the fact that, yeah, they had a battle, but it wasn't really the main point. And in many ways it was kind of an anticlimax, you know, um, the blowing yeah. up of the father tree was more of a shock than the fact that the warmen and the go backs got into battle, you know? So, um, I'm glad that that was there. And I think it was a necessary story element, but I'm so glad that that wasn't like the actual focus and that there was, there's more to it than that. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, like you say, it's, it's working on a deeper level, uh, than just sort of the surface storytelling. It's got deeper symbolic meaning. And, uh, I think you can take it on both levels, um, but like you say, if you are too caught up in sort of the analytical, I need an explanation for everything, which I'm guilty of. Sure, uh, yeah. Just as much as anybody else. 
Um, yeah, you can kind of lose sight of like the broader message of this particular part of ElfQuest. Yeah. Which operates on a very symbolic level in a lot of uh, the storytelling. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. So... Which is, I think I think it's been um, a challenge for a lot of ElfQuest fans, myself included. Sure. Um, you know, it, it, it's been very different um, from previous stories. Yeah. Well, when... It's not something that we've been used to. Uh, so it, it was... It was challenging to some extent. Yeah. Well, Wendy mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and Richard have said that you know they know that this is a hard and more challenging ElfQuest story. Um, so I think it's um, it's I think it's just neat that they um, they're cognizant of that and acknowledge it and um, and 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 they've said you know we're, we know we're asking a lot of readers uh, a lot a lot of our readers with this particular storyline um, because it does go into some of these non traditional kind of places at least for a comic. A fantasy comic, um, but yeah. that to me makes is what makes ElfQuest special, right? I don't, mm. I, I like to be challenged by my stories, you know, stories that are too easy. You know, there, there, there's certainly something to be said for the deep satisfaction that you get from a story that just kind of hits all the right notes. And um, I hate to use the term fan service because I kind of think it's really annoying, but you know, like there's something deeply satisfying about as a fan seeing your fanish ideas kind of played out on paper. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. but at the very same time there, there's a, there could be a sense of letdown with that too. Um, and I mean, I think if, if we were just served up like, again, a very kind of traditional story where I don't know, again, cutter went out in a blaze of glory and, uh, or didn't die at all. Um, I wouldn't have been as satisfied even if my poor little brain can't really wrap my mind uh, itself around some of the concepts that were explored. Um, and some right. of the, you know, some of the, the, the plot elements where, you know, as a human being, I'm like, yeah, that doesn't make sense. You know, really trying to force myself to think like an immortal being would think to yeah. really understand why X, Y, or Z happened. Um, uh-huh. You know, I mean, all of our conversations that we've had about, you know, well, why are they not using guns? And, you know, and and why is Moonshade choosing this and versus that? And, you know, I mean, even like what we were just talking about with Ember and her decision, you know, not to have kids. It's like, well, if, if you could live forever, you're not necessarily or, at, you know, hundreds or thousands of years. You probably aren't in as much of a rush to get that done as if you were in the real world and you only had a couple of decades to do it, you know? So, yeah. But for the fact that you could be bitten by a spider well, and die in like <laughs> three minutes later. Right. right? But, but you know, it's, so... it's the way that they, the, you know, the wolf riders way is to not dwell on that possibility, right. To live in the now. Yeah. That's so, true. Yeah. Yes. But, mm-hmm. um, anyway, so I think we've ax- uh, waxed eloquently enough on that. It's, you know, Final Quest is a big story. It's a mythic story. It's a somewhat challenging story, but at least for me, all of those elements actually enhance my um, my enjoyment of it and the satisfaction that I have. Um, I want to be challenged by by the stories that I that I engage in. If they're not challenging on some level, they're kind of, they end up kind of being boring. Boring. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, I've been there, done that. All right. Uh, speaking of the Star Home, though. Uh, we can see there's all sorts of different types of um, 
uh, beings there, right? Like the elves are taking on different forms. Like they they're maintaining their elfin forms, but some of them are uh, reverting back to like the conehead form, which is actually their true truest form, physical yeah. shape, their truest form. Yeah, well, I, I think it's um, a spirit. Just by the it, it does look that, like a spirit, that it's yeah, but that right. doesn't mean that they couldn't yeah. be in that form. And if you look no. at some mm. of the tiny little figures. Um, you know, some of them look to be an elfin form, but some of them look tiny. And uh, presumably, they on the star home again. There's no limits on their shape changing magic, and we see all all the you know the floaters out there. So you know, presumably, they're all floaters and shapers and fire makers and healers. Um, you know, like now that they don't have the restrictions, and now that they are back in the star home paradise, right? So exactly. Um, now, what does this mean, though, right? Like, going forward, it's almost like everything has come full circle completely. So, they're back on the star home where they originally started. Well, now what would happen, right? Because originally, they had to leave, and they explored, like, the limits of their physical bodies and were able to um, release their spirits um, and chose physical form over spirit form. Um, but they're essentially back where they started mm-hmm. again. So, like, does the cycle continue right. repeating? Yeah, well, I mean, you full, know, where do they go from full here? Full circle is a huge theme in ElfQuest. Um, you yeah. know, this is... The wheel is right, mended, wheel right? Is Cutter mended. even says That's it. what that means mm-hmm. to me. You know, the, they, they've, they've, made, they've gone back to their origins, the broken wheel where they got yanked out of their timeline and flung back... Um, to you know, crash and ultimately was a it was a good thing. It taught them the lesson of pain, um, and now they've come again back full circle. The wheel has been mended, and who knows, right? I mean, I don't know that there's many stories to be told on the Star Home. You know, I mean, in a way, like we keep saying, it's it's perfection, it's paradise, and to the 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 point we were just making, perfection is kind of boring. You know, I don't. Yeah, much to tell exactly. once you've reached perfection. I'm much more interested. There's no conflict. Right, yeah, in some conflict. Now, I love the idea that of what you just suggested that you know if these are immortal beings, and um, I would hope that things would, you know, maybe again a, a new cycle has begun now. You know, a new wheel has begun, and who knows what could happen. Um, you know, mm-hmm. and you, as you said, I, I there's no doubt in my mind that that. Skywise and Tamane and, and other elves are off shooting around the universe and pods exploring and you know that's definitely fodder for you know potential future stories in my mind um, or at least an element there so uh, but yeah I mean yeah. The, I don't think there's much going on on the Star Home that would be worthy of a of a comic book series right. <laughs> Uh, there is one thing though uh, that I'd be interested in seeing, or at least one character I'd be definitely very interested in seeing on the Star. Who's that? Uh, and that'd be Strongbow. Oh my God! Yeah, we haven't even talked about poor yeah. Strongbow. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. right. So Strongbow's, you know, his storyline wraps up as well. Um, and in a very unexpected, very way. unexpected. Um, now again, if you read well, the future a... quest stories, now okay, there, there we go. Mm-hmm. Right. So unexpected in the sense that I wasn't really prepared for it in this issue, but then when I saw it. I immediately thought of that future right, quest story. Right. I was like, Which, oh my you know, God. that particular scene yeah. has come up in online discussions, and Wendy has commented mm-hmm. on it, um, you know, both from the art style, but I think also the story that, you know, the way she described it was was kind of looking at ElfQuest through a funhouse mirror. Um, mm-hmm. And, 
you know, that came along with the comment of Final Quest or Future Quest being canon-ish. So they planted seeds of doubt whether or not that was actually canon and whether or not that was actually even Strongbow. Um, so I don't mm. think it's, I think it's understandable for us reading this story now to not have necessarily seen it coming. But yeah, as you pointed out too, and like we were saying before, it's kind of like, in hindsight, it's like, well, duh. <laughs> You know, yeah, like, exactly. how, how else could this have ended? But, yeah, I mean, basically, you know, Strongbow has some really interesting lines. You know, Cutter's dead. And, well, he sees, in the very beginning, you know, he sees the father tree fall. And we see Scouter kind of having, again, like, the linear reaction, right? Like, Scouter panics and is like, oh, my God, my family. You know, and they sends, he sends and they're all fine. And Strongbow, you know, he has initial shock on his face. But then the next panel, he's just, you know, it's just like... Uh, He's just thinking like dot 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 dot, and then he shuts his eyes. Like, like I feel like that's the very he's like giving in. That's the first step of sort of giving in and giving up on the world of two moons. And mm-hmm. um, you know when Cutter when Cutter dies, I mean, his thought is I'm flipping to the page. Um, you know he thinks to himself, my chief, I've loved you, I loved you more than you know, and then. You know, at the very, very end, he says to Skywise, it's finished, or he says to Dart and Free Touch, you know, all is finished here for me. Love and live strong, my cubs. Take me with you, Skywise. And then Skywise puts his arm around him and says, maybe choke. Maybe we can find, uh, and then you flip the page, what makes us both say perfect. So, yeah, so Skywise, we've already talked a lot about his his story not being told. Strongbow's story is not, not finished either. Um, yeah, so you're absolutely right. What does Strongbow do yeah. in paradise? I don't know. Exactly. I mean, How does he survive in that sort right. of environment? I, I, yeah. Like, I, <laughs> I can't get my mind yeah. around Strongbow being on the Star Yeah, me neither. And that is, um, that's a perfect example of, wow, what a tremendous storytelling opportunity. You know, because just such fertile ground to do something with. Mm-hmm. For somebody down the line to kind of pick up that that particular seed that was planted in the fertile soil um, and, and and run with it. So um, I don't think there's really much else to say about Strongbow um, that I can think. Yeah, uh, no, I mean a, a sad and bittersweet ending to his part of this tale is the best I can say. Yeah. I mean, just the fact that he made that choice to go to the Star Home, especially after everything that happened in this story with uh you know the conflict between him and moonshade um and then his final decision is okay i'm gonna go yeah well but it's it just it sort of boggles my mind like how he would function and survive on yeah that planet well i, I take it back there is there's is some more to say about strongbow you know i think strongbow Strongbow's clinging so hard to his version of the way, his in his mind's mm-hmm. eye, what the way was, which is very mm-hmm. rigid and honestly, I don't think ever really existed. And he mm-hmm. was the only one that didn't realize that on some level. Um, you know, yeah. even Ember, who has embraced the way and the idea of, you know, her youthful thoughts about bending the way to accommodate all the newness, you know, she's come a little bit full circle herself with that, um, you know, realizing that there is only so much that you can bend something before it breaks. But even then, you know, like she's willing to, there's a level of flexibility and organicness 
with the way that the rest of the Wolf Riders approach the way. I mean, even Tree Stump, you know, says to Strongbow, you know, you, you know, he, Moonshade made her choice, but you know, the wolf part of her lives on in your cub, so it's not gone. You know, like even a a, a Wolf Rider as stolid and old fashioned as Tree Stump has the ability to sort of be flexible with the way, and so. I think Strongbow finally realized that, that, yeah. you know, his version of the way is impossible because it's, it's his version of the way and he can't stop ironically world and, and life from changing around him, which is, I say ironically, cause that's to me, one of the points of the way is to be able to right. go with the flow and live in the now, you know, but Strongbow yeah, is yeah. so rigid in clinging to this version of the past that it's mm-hmm. to his detriment, right? And I think mm-hmm. he finally realized it. And his mm-hmm. only option at that point, you know, as a, as, a, as a deeply wounded soul, was to just let it all go. Yeah, that sounds like a pretty good summation of his state of mind. Yeah. Um, I mean, all I could foresee, for now at least, is him going to the star home and being put in rap stuff while he like yeah that's an idea deals with mm-hmm. you know that's that's what i could see happening right now but i mean the dynamic between him and skywise too like what would that look sure, like sure yeah they're both on the star home now you know they've both dealt with this huge loss of of cutter yeah. um not to mention moonshade uh yeah like just what would the dynamic between the two of them be yeah. like you know yeah yeah anyways that's definitely um yeah i was it was very surprising i was very surprised that he made that decision um well also so, also because yeah. they made it a point when you know back in issue 22 of highlighting that strongbow you know strongbow spoke for all the wolf riders when cutter asked the the big question you know what have you chosen you know and they all looked to strongbow to say we're going to stay and he actually has a very positive look on his face and this is post mm-hmm. moonshade's death so, yeah. um, you know, especially because of that, I mean, they could have chosen to, you know, to end Strongbow's piece of the story on that note, you know, but mm-hmm. the fact that they chose this path, I mean, again, it really adds to the bittersweet feel of this issue. Um, that's a word that we haven't used yet, I don't think, but it really is also a great word to sum this up. I mean, there's a lot of really great things in it and like, and by great, I mean, heart filling uh, yeah. And there's a lot of heartbreaking things in it. So it's not just all, again, rainbows and glitter. It's a lot of really tough stuff, uh, emotional stuff and dark stuff. Um, and again, I think that's, that's a challenge for readers. And I think for any fans out there that, you know, maybe didn't enjoy it, I think that's partially why. Again, I would, for me, that adds to my enjoyment. I like, you know, I like a little bitter with my sweet to, to cut it and, I don't yeah. think you can say, uh, I think you can definitely say that that's what, that's what Final Quest in general is, and this issue in particular really kind of captures that bittersweetness. For sure. Um, uh, one thing I just want to add, um, and this actually uh, ties in with Bittersweet, is that uh, Ember finally has New Moon. Yes. It's finally hers, yeah. right? And that was like, I always wondered, you know, is she going to end up with it at some point? And what would it take? Yeah. Would it take Cutter dying? And sure enough, yeah, that's what yeah. it is. But she finally has it. And I mean, that was set out right from the beginning when 
the Cubs were born, mm-hmm. right? Like that Ember would have New Moon at some point, and sure enough, she does. Yeah. After going through like how many freaking swords has she <laughs> has she owned? <laughs> but she finally this has the third one. Um, is that only the yeah. third? And yeah. She okay. the, well, she's finally she had the one that Cutter had made for her when he split the tribes. Um, you know, yep. in near Shard's era, and then that one, you know, the Jun ended up getting. Um, you know, when, when he she got captured at the beginning of Final Quest. So then Tree Stump oh, yeah. made her and Tear twin swords, the, the twin flame swords um, yep. she's been using throughout Final Quest. And then, you know, with Cutter's death, she inherits New Moon. And then we see Chad on the very last page yeah. with Cutter or Ember's old sword, the twin flame sword. So I think that that's kind of neat. But the thing that I find most interesting um, is that, again, on page two of this issue, we see the sword passing to Ember. And the very yeah. f- first act that we see happen with, with New Moon is that it kills a human. You know, the very first scene in ElfQuest is is the Red Lance's rescue. And Cutter kills mm-hmm. the human Tabak. And or Tabak, however you pronounce it. And um mm-hmm. and Cutter's last act with New Moon was to kill the commander of Sea and War. Um which right. by the way, that jerk had it coming. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but right there in the very beginning, you know, if, 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 if you were savvy and clever, which I was not, um, but others were, they perceived this. I mean, right there, it tells you what's going to happen. You know, Ember gets the sword, you know, and she says, yeah. father, I have new moon. And, and so it passes on to her. Um, and again, mm-hmm. that right there is a perfect illustration of that subtle even subconscious level sense of inevitability that that this yeah. she had for me right i mean mm-hmm. i didn't consciously pick up on that at first it wasn't until after i finished reading it and i kind of went back but but yeah it's right there it's right under our noses right there's a mm-hmm. major clue mm-hmm. that cutter is not going to survive um right. so i find that just really satisfying yeah yeah, it's right yeah. there. So there's a couple um, other things that I had, yep. just more minor things um, to note. Um, okay. And let me flip through here. Oh, so we see the fruition of, of Tree Stump's dream where the metal weapons that he creates kill his loved ones. And in this, in, in, act, in how it actually plays out is that um, Shuna's own sword, which is Mornhowl, that was the very first sword that he forged, is this, is the sword that the commander uses to stab her. Now she doesn't die. Yeah. Thankfully, but, um, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, Dreon has this just kind of, you know, his, his peaceful presence throughout, um, in helping Lita heal Shuna. And then at the very end, he's kind of singing when, when Strongbow leaves. And, you know, all I can say about Dreon is, is is to share what I have seen Wendy post about him. And it, it, from what I gather, you know, the character of Dryon is meant to be an enigma. Um, we don't know who he is or why he is the way that he is, but Wendy has said that, you know, he kind of represents like what we all really need in life sometimes is just a quiet, peaceful, serene, solid, loving presence. And I think that's what mm-hmm. he represents. And, yeah, but I want to know what tribe he comes from. <laughs> you're thinking linear, and why is he tall? You're thinking literally, Ryan. No, I'm right there with you. I, I want to know every gory detail about him too. Like you know, 
How tall is he actually? Why does he talk? Right. <laughs> what does he sound like? Who is his mother? These are the questions that. Yeah, exactly. Are- yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and also, uh, it looks like Free Touch and Drayon are a couple. Yep. Yeah. So th- again, I, let's hold off on that last page because um, I think that's just I, I want to end on that. Um, okay. But uh, you know, I'm back in the beginning of the issue where. You know, uh, Dryon singing while Leech is healing uh, Shuna, and we get a little moment of humor with Pedaling trying to sing along too. And Ember's like, they "Don't even think about it." Um, and then we see this this wonderful little scene with Pike and Nightfall and Redlands. And Pike is saying, "You know, this is after the Father Tree has fallen and before Cutter dies." But you know, he's like, "Um, well, Cutter saying Cutter actually says it. You know that Ember's ready." you know, to follow the way and sometimes going back is going forward and going back to the old wolf rider ways, which is somehow really comforting to me personally. But we got this great little scene with Pike and Nightfall and Redlance and, you know, Pike's like, you know, going, bring you back to dream time. You know, our shared dream stories made us ready for this, you know, prepared us for, you know, our anxieties basically as wolf riders, you know, prepared us both physically and maybe a little bit emotionally to deal with this. You know, we know that we can survive this. Um, and there's just this, the little that where, where Pike reaches out and gives a tug on um, Red Lance's braid. And, you know, he's like, yeah, but the father to you will come back. You'll see, see to it. Um, the thing that really stands out to me about that is it's a, such a beautiful illustration of the, the, the free, free love. And I, that's such a cliche term that, Wendy and Richard have imbued in their characters, um, you know, to see two male characters express friendship in such a physical way. That's so clearly non-sexual, you know? Yeah. Like it's just, yeah. Like imagine, imagine Batman reaching over and like, you know, tugging on Superman's ear and being like, you know, Hey buddy, this is all going to be like, you just would never see that in like superhero kind of comic, you know, male characters uh, interacting in this kind of way. And, Mm-hmm. It, I just think it's awesome, so I wanted to highlight it. Yeah, that's a good thing to point out. Uh, one thing I wanted to mention, uh, speaking of Dreamtime, um, one of them I was always so intrigued of uh, was uh, Nightfall's dream, and there was, um, at the end of her dream, she came to some sort of revelation as to how uh, the users amongst the elves could be uh, could be stopped, and how to save Carter right. or something like along those lines. But uh, she woke up just before she could um, uh, figure out what it is or something, yeah. and and uh, she couldn't remember. And I I was hoping to get some sort of <laughs> answer to that. Like what was? Well, it? I think we did right. She, what? she didn't save Cutter. There was no solution. Oh. Okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I'm just so it's maybe that's exactly what. Or, it is. or maybe it was just. I mean, haven't you ever had a dream like that? And it doesn't yeah, but necessarily... it seemed like. I mean, the way it was, it was written. Right. It was that like okay, there's some mystery right. here that's going to be resolved. Well, at some you know, point, right? perhaps in the telling of the final quest, that was something that really just couldn't be worked in in a natural way. Maybe it was just a red herring, you know, and that really would have been a red herring where. They put something in there to make us think one thing and then chose or deliberately chose either way not to go there and leave us hanging, hmm. you know, um, to distract yeah. us. But, um, 
Who knows? Um, yeah. Uh, a couple other little, just little minor story notes on my list to touch on. I loved um, one of my new favorite go-backs, who I call Scarv, the guy who wears the scarf, Oh, yeah, right. Kicking the human and being like, at least you war men didn't get him, about Cutter dying. Nice little moment there. And we see Sust kind of connecting with his go-back heritage in that panel, too, which I thought was kind of neat. Um, uh, we, we see, we learn what happens to Chemo. Um, Shuna says, you know, I think New Star should decide what becomes of her gallant son's husk. And so Yun takes him, um, we, and it is confirmed, our theory, that, that New Star and Oler are living with the rootless ones in their Dell. So, yeah. um, you know, I thought that was a nice little touch. Um, you know, heartbreaking to see Dushine sobbing over her cousin and to see, again, all the Wolf Riders, various reactions, you know, Mender just crumpling into just melting into a ball of, of grief and, you know, Pox, 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 Pike's shocked look, mm-hmm. um, you know, Nightfall and Redlands just, you know, grieving for their, their her, you know, Nightfall's chief friend and their, their love mate. And, you know, even seeing um, Tree Stump shed a tear in, 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 yeah. the, in the big funeral, you know, wide shot is just, uh, you know, free touch clinging to Strongbow and sobbing is, uh, yeah. All right, I don't want to end with tears. <laughs> uh, is there anything else that you wanted to hit that we didn't cover, other than uh, just um, two edge? Uh, we didn't see him in this issue, um, and there's still sort of an open-ended story there with him. Like as far as I mean, he's with Audrey now. They're they're a couple. They're love mates. Um, so there, that's another just dangling story thread, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, but Two Edge has been such a major player within ElfQuest, so to see some sort of resolution for him, some final resolution, I mean, maybe he will never get it, right? But, uh, you know, whatever that looks like, whether it's some sort of healing or or just, right. you know, internal acceptance of who he is, but I, I would like to see some sort of resolution to Two Edge's story, and I kind of missed seeing him in this issue. Obviously, like you said, we can't see everybody. Sure. But, well, yeah. to me, you know, Two Edge's story is is just like the Wave Dancers in the sense that Wendy and Richard brought it to a, you know, uh, brought it forward to a, a place where they could leave it without, you know, answering every little minutia of of what happens to Two Edge. But they brought it to a really satisfying place, at least for me. You know, the last we see of Two Edge is you know, his act of complete selflessness going to rescue Strongbow from the humans who are about to, uh, you know, essentially murder him at gunpoint. And then, mm-hmm. you know, take on a wound himself and then say, you know what, I can wait because there's people who are hurt worse than me. And Audrey saying, like, I'm proud of you. Love me. You know, like that is such a high note for, for me anyway, for, for Two Edge's story to end on within Final Quest that I feel very satisfied with it. And you're right. There hmm. could be plenty more to tell about, about Two Edge down the line. Um, but I think I, I didn't need to see any more of it personally in, um, in Final Quest to feel very satisfied. Okay. Um, one other thing, I guess. Uh, I am pretty certain that Murph is still alive, oh, yeah. which makes me really yes. happy. Yeah. If you look in the very um, opening scene where we see the Father Tree fall um, from the meadow and the you know the warriors in the meadow, if you look really closely, and this is where the digital comics can come in handy, you can um, zoom in really close. 
you know, right outside the Thorn Wall, you see a batch of Gobacks, and it's very clearly um, my other favorite Goback, um, Venka's female love mate, um, with an elf, and they're like bandaging him up. I'm choosing to believe that that's Murph, and that they fixed him up enough that he's going to survive and you know to get really fully healed by Mender or Lita. Awesome, yeah. good. And that's what I'm sticking with. <laughs> All right, um, I'm going to go with that, too. I like that. Yeah, thing. so um, for me, that takes me to that last page. Yep, I'm pretty good with that. Mm-hmm. So we've already talked about a lot on it, but the big thing that, again, in the spirit of full circles and mended wheels, is that it's a mirror of the literal very first page of ElfQuest, which, if you go back, was the human spirit man in front of a big bonfire basically preaching, you know, religious hate <laughs> towards toward yeah. elves, right? And here mm-hmm. we've evolved to the point where we have another human, this time a female, um, so there's a contrast right there, um, in front of a bonfire preaching the exact opposite of, you know, let's be unified, let's be the best, you know, people we can be, let's work together, even if we're different, um, so again, really high note to end on as far as if there's going to be a message of ElfQuest, one singular message, it's that is like, let's always work for the better and be the best that we can be. Um, which I, I, I enjoyed, I appreciated it. Uh, you know, again, for such a bittersweet issue and storyline, I think having a positive note like that on this last page was really important. Um, there's obviously the reveal of Chad. And I'm going to laugh every single time, but, you know, Wendy and Richard, you didn't give us a name, so we had to come up with something. So. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> um, I think it's pretty. I'm fitting. sure at some point we will learn who this guy is in the future. But, uh, you know, he's obviously meant to immediately visually recall Cutter, which is awesome. And, uh, oh, yeah. you know, but, you know, his hair is a little bit more, you know, golden. Wendy has said it's actually like more of like a strawberry blonde than Cutter's kind of buff blonde. Um, his eyes, I think, maybe are just a little bit more slanted. He's got a, a little bit more of a delicate brow and nose than Cutter did, you know, more reminiscent of Lita. He's got green eyes. But otherwise, um, and I'm happy to, um, you know, to see that he's got his dad's shoulders and, and abs and, you know, <laughs> he's got the, you know, the, the hot young elf factor going on. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, he's even got the, the same jewelry that Cutter wore, you know, the gold neckband and the armband. Um, and he's got his sister's yeah. sword and he's got, you know, the big furry boots and, you know, he's going shirtless again. I'm not going to complain. And uh, <laughs> so I, I love this guy so much um, already from one stupid little illustration of him. We know nothing <laughs> about him, but like, yeah. I want to hang out with him. I want to like run through the forest and have adventures with him. So um, I'm again, a really high note to end on just, all the story possibilities of this guy and, and, and the hope that seeing him on that last page, I think gives to the story, you know, life goes on. Cutter might be gone, but life goes on. Right. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. He looks like to me, like, uh, like he's trouble. That's what he looks like. <laughs> yes. He's got an impish quality about him, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Like, um, mm-hmm. of yeah, of course, like, uh, unruly teenager yes. type right. thing. Well, if 16 years have passed, um, you know, he's, he's what, 14 or 15 at this point, you know, if, 
it was a couple year pregnancy. I'm not sure how far along Lita was. Um, I think not that very far along. So again, 14, 15 years old. And, uh, yeah, he definitely looks like he's full of piss and vinegar. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And of course, yeah. Is, is, is ogling him from behind, which, you know, history. But doesn't she have that troll now with she the blonde hair? She care. She's, she wants everything, right? I mean, yes, she does. Um, yeah. But yeah, otherwise, you know, we see a, a collection of elves. Not all of them are present. You know, people have been like, where's Poole? Well, you know, maybe he's off taking a leak somewhere, right? Like, when you yeah, get exactly. every single elf yeah. in the world of two moons that's left there in this panel. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, we see Pike kind of lounging back with a full belly. Um, you know, Talit is, is very wistful. You know, she's maybe remembering mm-hmm. Cutter fondly, but also a little sadly. You know, we see Lita again and kind of, you know, serene, hybrid wolf rider, you know, mother of memory, you know, reminiscent of Sava's garb. It, instead of made out of flowing um, silks, it's made out of leather, um, which is kind of neat. Yeah. Um, we see yep. Free Touch snuggling up with Dreon, you know. I think that's another hashtag future story fodder. Are they love mates? Are they life mates? Did they recognize? Are they just, um, you know, good friends? I mean, who knows, right? Um, you know, right. Martin Mender are there looking happy. Tree Stump and Clearbrook, you know, smiling. We see Nightfall and Redlands as ever. They're, uh, you know, the, 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 secondhand people to the chief, you know, Chiefess Ember up top with, with Tyr. Um, we see, yeah. Shuna's what we're going to call his grandson, her grandson. We see what looks to me like a go back in the foreground. Yes. So the go backs are yeah. still around. We see the insect tribe. So just this, you know, trolls and elves. There's even. And Shen Shen in her human Shen form. Shen Shen still in her human form. Sust is there drumming away with Shen Shen. So, um, you know, just to summarize everything that's on the page, it's, uh, yeah. for me, a bittersweet but perfect way to end the final quest. Yes, great little montage page of everybody. Yeah. Yep. Very nice. Mm-hmm. So with that said, um, mm-hmm. I think we should move on to our next bittersweet piece of information for all of you <laughs> listeners out there. Yeah. And that is that Ryan has do- decided to retire from co-hosting the podcast with me. Um, yes, and this is going to be yeah my last episode. Mm-hmm. And I um, I just want to say that uh, uh, it's been really incredible doing this with you. And I said it before, but I'm going to say it again. Um, thank you so much for thinking of me when you came up with the idea to do this and kind of chronicle the the, the final quest issue for issue. And I feel you know really satisfied with everything that we've been able to do. Uh, over these last few years, and, and you know, you get all the credit for having the idea, um, and also for doing the bulk of the work. I mean, let's be honest; I just get to come on here and rattle on for hours, and you have to do all the editing. So, um, I really, really appreciate everything that you put in, and um, all the time that you spent, and all the frustrations with Skype. Um, you know, it wouldn't be a recording of the Elfquest podcast <laughs> if Skype didn't try to, you know, stab us. So, you guys, you, you're not going to hear all of the cursing that went on before we actually started. <laughs> but, you know, it's uh, Skype has been a constant struggle for us. But um, and again, Ryan, you've dealt with the, the bulk yeah. of it. And, you know, I, I think, you know, you did what you set out to achieve. You know, we we covered the final quest and I um, I'm super happy to have done that, but also 
super happy for you to be able to kind of let it go and move on to the next thing. Yeah, um, it's just time for me to move on uh, to other projects, and uh, my schedule has just become so busy. I know yours is yeah. too, um, but yeah, it just feels like the right time, and I wanted to see this through to the end. Um, so I'm I'm really um, I'm happy and I'm proud that we've both done this. I can't believe it's been like yeah. four years, yeah. right, or close to it. Uh, so yeah, four years ago on on Facebook Messenger, right. I just messaged you out of the blue. We had been chatting for a bit, yeah. right? Um, and I said, hey, do you want to do a podcast? And neither one of us had any idea what we were doing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we just sort of winged it and we're like, okay, yeah, let's let's do right. this. Um, because our discussions just, um, you know, texting back and forth were were so engaging and it was so fun to, to talk with somebody about ElfQuest. Um, yeah, I just felt like maybe this is something we can share with the the wider fan community, and uh, I'm I'm just so happy that we got to do this together. And um, by far, like the best part of this was getting to know you more as a friend too. Um, it was pretty amazing, like that we did this together. And uh, yeah, I'm just I'm just really happy that that we saw it through from from start to finish. And uh, I, I'm so excited to see what you're going to do with, with the podcast um, after this. Uh, as I said to you before, I'm, I'm handing the reins over to you. I fully trust you to, you know, take this podcast uh, wherever it needs to go. And I'm, I'm looking forward to see what you're, what you're going to do with it. Well, I, I yeah. really appreciate that. And I feel exactly the same way. Like getting to know you through this was, was awesome. And I feel like we're, we'll be friends forever. Um, whether or not we're, yeah, we're recording and cursing over Skype together. So and, you know, maybe <laughs> one of these days yeah. um, I'll make it up to Canada or maybe you'll make it down to DC and we'll get to meet in person. Um, that would be really awesome. So, Definitely. Um, it would yeah. Be. And yeah, um, yeah I, my schedule is always insane as well. And I guess I'm just a fool and a glutton for punishment because <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I'm, I love ElfQuest so much and, um, maybe I'm obsessed with ElfQuest a little bit, <laughs> but I do, like, I really enjoy doing this. Um, you know, part of my analytical mind, um, is like, I love kind of unpacking all of this stuff and thinking about it and talking about it and analyzing it in, in, you know, in a good way. And so, um, I don't know what the future holds for ElfQuest, um, you know, whether or not there'll be new stories or, you know, if there will be, when they'll happen, um, will they happen next year or five years? Who knows? Right. Um, so I don't mm -hmm. know exactly what the, the, how I'm going to move forward with the podcast. Um, you know, I don't know if I can promise a, a monthly episode or even a quarterly episode again with schedules, but I have a lot of ideas. Um, I already have a couple things, um, that are, I, I'm, I'm working on right now that, uh, I, I want to get a couple solid things in the can before I, I, I kind of take that next step. I also have to continue teaching myself a little bit of the technology to make sure that I really understand it. I, I was able to wing it a little bit last summer, Ryan, when you were traveling, but I definitely, yeah. um, need a little bit more of self tutorial on things like, you know, fading music and all that kind of stuff, but, um, all the editing, all that fun but, stuff. Yeah, you yeah. Know, I'll sleep when I'm dead and you know, I'll, just, I'll, I'll, I'll figure it exactly. out. I'll teach myself. And, um, you know, for the time being, um, I think I'm, what I'm going to do is 
work um, by myself, and I am probably going to seek out, um, you know, interviews with folks, and maybe from time to time some guests, guest hosts, as I've done a couple times again while you were traveling, Ryan. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's a pretty big ask. And, and honestly, I don't want to overburden anybody with a commitment to do this the way that we've been doing it. Um, and uh, I, I also <laughs> like I think it might be kind of neat to have s- some diversity of of guests that come on to talk about different things. Definitely. Even if it's just like a short conversation um, or, or, yeah. or, or me sharing uh, an online conversation that I've had with uh, other people or something. I don't know. So I, I definitely um, I'm going to explore all of those different options. And um, if nothing else, Wendy and Richard have created such a rich diversity of characters. Um, you know, even just having episodes focusing on, on particular characters is something that I really am um, excited to do. And that's probably what I'll do first. Um, you know, think about having an episode, uh, you know, about Cutter now that we know the full story. Right. I think that right. could be a really yeah. fascinating discussion. So, like an, an examination of his entire character exactly. arc or something, yeah, yeah. right? Yeah. So, um, so anyway, now I'm like, I want to, I want to do that. <laughs> Listen, you know, when, when, as you and I talked about <laughs> offline, like anytime you want to do a podcast, absolutely call me and we'll, we'll do it. You know, like there's no, okay. just because you're moving on doesn't mean that, you know, you're going off to the star home and I'm never going to see you again. Right. So, <laughs> um, you know, if you are struck yeah. with a wild hair to want to have a, you know, great discussion about anything else quest related, let's do it. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. I appreciate that. Um, All right. I just want to say too, before we, before we sign off, uh, Thank you to all of the fans who have um, been listening for the last four years uh, and have taken this journey with us. Um, it's amazing that like so many of you have contributed and, and listened and been a part of this. Uh, David and I did this not just for ourselves. It was for, like I said earlier, the, the wider fan community. So um, thank you so much for taking this journey with us. Um, and then... Uh, finally, I'd like to thank Wendy and Richard um, for creating ElfQuest and this incredible world that I have been uh, reading about since I was 13. And uh, it's been a long time. It's been a long journey. And uh, I just wanted to thank both of them for what they have created and for... Um, for this world. I can't believe I'm so emotional right now. <laughs> I can too. And I'm getting, I, you're making me too. And so everybody grab your tissues and pat your eye because we're all mushy right now. <laughs> uh, this has been like one of the largest projects I've ever participated in as far as like being involved in for this long. So, um, you know, it's really been a labor of love and uh, just, doing this for the last four years and and now to be moving on it's it's pretty emotional i wasn't expecting to get this emotional about it but um yeah just having said that i um yeah i i just really like to thank wendy and richard for for ElfQuest and for um for their vision and uh the beautiful artwork and storytelling um it's been such an integral part of my life since i was a kid and uh it's always going to have a place in my heart. Yeah. So. Well, I think that's is probably the perfect way to end. So um, I echo all of your sentiments and I really enjoy doing this. And, you know, here's to our next meeting. Sounds good. Shade and sweet water. Shade and sweet water. <laughs>
The music that you heard at the top of the podcast was a track called Hunting for Experience by Epicus from their album An Epic Journey. You can find music by Epicus and thousands of other artists royalty-free for your podcast or multimedia projects on jamendo.com. That's J-A-M-E-N-D-O dot com. Well, that's it for this episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast. As always, you can join the discussions on ElfQuest.com, on Twitter at, at ElfQuest, or on any of several Facebook pages, including the official ElfQuest Facebook page and the ElfQuest Facebook fan page. Don't forget, you can read the entire ElfQuest back catalog at ElfQuest.com, along with tons of other great stuff like character bios, behind-the-scenes features, and more. The Final Quest is published by Dark Horse Comics, and you can get the latest issue of ElfQuest the minute it comes out at digital.darkhorse.com. Until next time, shade and sweet water. <laughs>